we are bidding farewell to the spooky season and welcoming it in uh, sort of grey, dark, daylight savings November that nobody likes. Um, we're, we're not quite in. We're not quite in Christmas season. I don't know about you, lads. This is this is not a take down the pumpkin, put up the tree house. As much as I love Christmas and I love Halloween, you just have to you have to eat your crow and you just have to suck it up and just realize November is just shit and you just have to just take it. Uh, but here to get you through the first week of November are your boys, the Chair Shop Podcast boys, back again with more life, more telly, more films, a little bit of wrestling in there for you as well. Tell you all about our festive Halloween season. First of all, I'm one of your hosts, Barry, joined as always by my ever dependable co-hosts. First of all, we got Joe. Hello. And also with us is Paul. Yeah, as usual. And uh, we've got a, a heck of a lineup here. Uh, we've got a lot of things to discuss. It was, in fact, I mean, I suppose we should probably start at the top. It was, in fact, Halloween yesterday. Um, yeah, uh, uh, so that is now in the rear view mirror. Did we all have a lovely Halloween? Uh, it was good. It was good. Went to see a little movie, which I will review later. Uh, yeah. Other than that, all good. I, I was dressed as a shark all day um well until the kids had come and gone and then i went into my usual clothes because those i don't don't know what they're made of but those kind of polystyrene feeling full body costumes yeah uh, they hold in the heat let me tell you yes yeah it it, because because really it is like <laughs> they probably skirt some laws by technically not being clothes, yeah. uh, so uh, they're probably yeah they're incredibly warm. I've, I haven't worn a, a a proper costume costume in quite a while. I'm always kind of compiling bits and bobs into one. Um, yeah, were you yeah. disappointed you didn't get to do the podcast as the shark? I mean, yeah. I, well, I, I was planning to wear the costume during the podcast, whether I would be continuously wearing it, probably not. But. Um, it would have been a bad idea because it's so warm inside that costume. I don't know. I just thought it would be a, you. You guys would get a kick out of me sitting here in a, in a full body asbestos shark costume. Yeah, just sweating. Yeah, I I feel like that would have been our first ever someone falls asleep while doing the podcast. Um, I tell you, I nearly had a little nap in it at one point. That would have been it. Would have been great because it's kind of like we already. I mean, it's just necessity, but it's like it's already a tough spot to do a podcast at eight o'clock on a Sunday, the laziest hour of all time. <laughs> uh, but to sit there in a giant polystyrene tomb uh, wouldn't have uh, done you well. I was uh, I I had a lovely Halloween uh, myself and my girlfriend. We both had some. Uh, friends over. We had a, a big mutual friend group meshing of the crossing of the streams. It was lovely. Some people dressed up, some people didn't. I was Peter B. Parker, um, which was, I basically just, I sat down and did some research. I was like, what is a Halloween costume where I can wear trackies at the party um, and not be socially uh, uh, cast out? And that, that was the top result. Uh, so it was a lot yeah. of fun. Uh, I was deathly hungover on 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 Sunday, but I was kind of thinking to myself, I was like, I, I'll see how I feel about doing the podcast. And I started to come around. I was like, yeah, sorry. I went for a walk actually, and I kind of freshened myself up, and then I was feeling good. But then I ate way too much Chinese food, and I I did in fact fall asleep. For for I I, I thankfully uh, uh, said I can't, I wouldn't be up for podcasting, and I I did in fact sleep during those uh, pre pre uh, pre. Uh, described uh, lazy Sunday hours, but it was lovely. It was it was it was a, a a nice Halloween. Watch more scary movies, which we'll talk about um, uh, shortly. Uh, it was quite nice. I we did not get any trick or treaters. I'm, uh, I'm 
I'm a, I'm a little bit jealous because actually now <laughs> we didn't have a whole lot of sweets here, but we did have some. And I, I always I've always liked the the idea of doing that, but it's just it's not a very common thing in apartment buildings. I thought it would be. There's lots of kids, but I feel like people just don't bother. Um, so you know, maybe maybe next year we'll be in a house, and maybe then hey, we can uh, more for you. That's it. More for me. They were all they were going to get was leftover chicken balls and ribs from the from the munchie box anyway. So uh, it, it, they they probably wouldn't have appreciated it. I feel um, like your house is one that would just give out parma parma violets anyway. What the fuck is that? Ah, oh, Barry, the the worst sweet. <laughs> oh, those little no no those no no purple chips. I I know. I mean because you would have already eaten all the good ones. Oh uh, no Children, no no. We we, we we would we would stock up. I tell you what, I would be. I would, you know, when the day comes when we actually have a house and we're in a fucking neighborhood where I know people will be going door to door, I'm going to be going all out. They're going to be thinking, oh, look at him over there. Oh, what? Oh, it's not Aldi Ben. No, that's a Snickers, young man. You can have that. Actual Snickers. Yeah. Courtesy of the yeah. fine folks at Mars. Enjoy that. Enjoy that. Um, uh, take that yourself. Yeah. No apples here. What am I? A fucking nerd? <laughs> Get out. Um, uh, yes, I am giving out uh, drugs instead of sweets, but uh, I'm doing it because I think it's actually a cool thing to do. Um, yeah, so uh, no, no trick or treaters uh, uh, on our end. Uh, any other news for the week, gents? Well, we did have trick or treaters. We had about ten, I want to say. All mm. now. and so we we had the shark costumes, and we were handing out sweets. Natty made marshmallows to give out. How about that? Made. That's lovely. How do you make a marshmallow? Yeah, I actually, yeah, that, I, yeah. How do you do that? You get well, some, I, I assume sugar. No. It's get like some, get a load of sugar and I don't know, boil it or something, or just fry it, or just whip it up in a bowl. And I don't know. I've never really thought about how you make a marshmallow. I can understand meringues. You know, you get some egg whites, uh, mix them with some sugar. But I don't know, Barry. You're the chef now. You're doing the uh, you're doing the stream cooking. Mm. You must know how to make a marshmallow. I haven't I haven't done many desserts, and the one dessert I did do on that fucking stream did not turn out well. I made fucking oh, the brownie brownie soup. Um, that was <laughs> quite disgusting. Um, no, as far as uh, marshmallows go, sorry to listeners, I jump out for a second there. And I it, was it, was it was seamless. It was seamless. Delete that bit. <laughs> no because i've been called out on twitter about that i don't edit the show so fuck it you're listening to the the blemishes and all um no you you buy like uh, glucose and gelatin all oh, right sugar and boil it up and mix it all and they're bloody good let me tell you because i ate a good few of them um and then we carved pumpkins as well uh, which I shared on my Instagram. I did a little Super Mario pumpkin head, which people might have seen. Mm, yeah, very good. Um, it was quite good. It was quite good. Well, I, I was following a template, obviously. I didn't come up with that myself. Uh, that's, that's good, then. Uh, I wanted to be a bit less ambitious than I was last year. I was a bit over the top last year, where I did like a Zelda design. But then I had, I had like toothpicks holding it together because it was a little too intricate. This one, I, I was a bit more careful that it would be structurally... Uh, sound and uh, that was basically Halloween. Yeah, we had kids come to the door. I, I sat in that costume all day watching the fo- I watched the entire game footballs as a shark, um, which is very comfy. And as I said, I nearly had a little sleep. Um, but that was pretty much all for Halloween. Like, there's other life guff, but if that's if we're doing Halloween, that's that's kind of my Halloween. 
Yeah, as I mentioned, just went to see a movie, which I'll review later. On the way home, though, we actually we went out on Halloween. On the way home, someone went to a lot of effort on our roads. They had um, nine pumpkins on their driveway, spelling out the word Halloween. Which oh, I like was, one letter for each? Yeah, H-A-S. Wow. I was very impressed by that. I mean, they were really getting into the spirit of things. So. But they didn't have the apostrophe pumpkin. No, they went for the kind of more American, you know. Yeah. No. Michelle was confused by that, actually. She asked me yesterday. She was like, why do you guys spell Halloween with an apostrophe? And I was explaining to her, of course, it's All Hallows' Eve. All Hallows' Evening, it's short for that. She was like, nah. nah, nah, nah. Actually, <laughs> I, 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 I feel like as a kid, we were constantly taught about it. I feel like it's just laziness over time. The apostrophe has gone away. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, well, I was about to say, wouldn't it be great, though, if, if they went to all that trouble and then misspelled it? And it was just like, oh, Halloween. Hello, or, when? Or, yeah, hello, well, when? Maybe it was a message. They were, like, sending it to someone. Or or they just yeah. did the, the most annoying pumpkins possible, which is they spelled out phonetically Sam Hain on their uh, uh, on their front lawn instead of Samhain. <laughs> Paul's looking very confused there. That joke was a little, a little too meta for old Paulie Paul there. Not up to date on his Gaelga. Uh, rid of my garment, Barry. <laughs> It means I forgot for the non-Irish. I was just um, no, I was half paying attention because we oh, right. mentioned. Um, sorry, <laughs> you mentioned uh, that um, the pumpkin spelled Halloween, and I, I, my head, what, what what that went to was, I wonder if there are any funny anagrams you could make by switching the pumpkins mm. around. Um, not really. You could, you <laughs> oh, could have. You could have Lone Whale. This is a great bit. This is a great bit. <laughs> Lone Whale. Lone, Lone Whale. You could have oh. Ween Hello. That's, yeah. Yeah. Which is when, kind of what, when, what, I, what when I say, when, when I greet my Scottish friends, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's about it, really. There's no other good ones. We'll, we'll right, knock we that segment. We we'll do that next year. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it again at Christmas and see if that does anything better. But, yeah. Oh, Christ, Christ, Sam, give you that one for free. That's a good one. Yeah. So that was Halloween. Uh, other than that, um, it's mainly been uh, kitchen installation this week. Um, so right. I've been absolutely knackered because I've been doing me day job and also helping to install the kitchen all week. So I'm, I'm glad it's all over finally. So we got a nice new kitchen. New cabinets, uh, finally got a dishwasher. Yes, back of the net. No more washing up like a plug. Lovely. Um, Beautiful. So that's good. And yeah, it's all, it's all good. It's um, it's nice because we want to rearrange it a bit. So you walk in and it kind of feels like a completely different room in, in the house. And you're like, what, what, where did the old room go? This is completely different. But um, yeah, that's <laughs> nice. And that's a lot. Nothing else major to do in this house. So no more doing anything for another good three or four years. Just going to sit in it and watch telly. Lovely. That'd be it. So, yeah, nice. good, good week. Yeah, I mean, that's a dream. Uh, to have a house to put a kitchen in. That's it, yeah. I feel like you really, once, once you, you talk about putting a kitchen in, that's when you've arrived. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Um, uh, I, I, um, I did do one other thing this week. As has been discussed in the last year, if there's one thing I love, lads, it's bloody buying games consoles. I I oh, I no. cannot stop. I simply cannot I stop. I don't understand how you can do like 
All right. I, I don't want to pry into your private life, Brian, because your business is your business. <laughs> I, I, I'm the person who buys loop-de-loops. I'd be like, oh, the mortgage man's not going to be liking that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> An extra loop-de-loop box. No, right, no, 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 no. Tell us about your I, 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 did, I did get a little bonus from work this week for being, a good, being, for being a good boy. Um, right, it's right. quite a contentious bonus. We had to work very hard to get it. There, you know, I won't get into the details, but there was some... Uh, it's performance-based... And it's supposed to be like by department, and there was a yeah. there was a figure on our spreadsheet that was not supposed to be there, and it made our bonus go away. down. we had to fight tooth and nail to get it back up. Anyway, I got it, and um, I I I decided to finally do something I wanted to do for ages, um, and I kind of looped it in with with the streaming thing a little bit. I bought myself. Have you heard of one of these bad boys? One of these PlayStation Twos that all the kids oh, are talking about. Hello. Um, okay. There was a, there was a couple of of, of of factors in me deciding to get this. So it was you know it was a hundred quid. You know so so I I was I was trying to think if I could figure out a joke where I could try and tease that I got a Switch OLED, but I was like I couldn't be arsed trying to trying to tease it out. And I think even I wouldn't do that. But yeah, because I was like okay, I, I wanted to do I want to do more stuff uh, on the twitch that is not yeah. just current console stuff pc is not beefy enough to to play games and stream at the same time certainly not beefy enough to do emulation and i was like all right and and i also i was kind of just like i like physical media mm. i like my blu-rays i like my dvds my girlfriend likes her records you know yeah. uh we both preach into the choir and I was, and I, I know you, you know, you have all your your, your old machines. I'm often whenever you're, you're like, oh, I just fired up the N64. I'm like, I would, I would love to do that. And then I was like, you know what? And what else also was making me think about it was like, I'm, I tweeted a couple of times that I'm waiting for this confirmation about, you know, are those new GTA games going to have all the songs? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. the the current the the all the ports on the current systems they patched out all the songs they lost the this is like this is like a textbook case for why you should have physical media and I was like you know what I should do I should fucking buy this console and get these games that are dirt cheap now because they're not old enough to be super valuable and they were mass produced and everything else so I went and I, I grabbed them um, uh, and yeah so I, I that was my my little treat um, the the. The living room is just a mess of cables. I really my 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 cable budget is out of control, um, so I I spent a lot of time the last uh, the last week uh, googling and YouTubing like different cable types, what they mean, how do you get a PS2 on your uh, modern HDMI television? Oh, there's a dirt cheap way you can do it, and it'll look like garbage. Or you can buy, you know, one of these like four hundred quid like uh, upscalers and shit like that, which I have not, I have not yet done. I'm not, I'm not that much of a fool, easily part of. But I got a little thing from from Amazon. It was like twenty quid. It's like a component to HDMI. I'd never used a component cable before in my life. They're not the European standard, but I got one of them and just lots of fiddling. It was actually really interesting seeing what each cable actually looks like. The difference is is really interesting. Got it up and running. It looks fucking great. Way better than I was expecting on a on a HD TV. You know when you, I mean, I've, the, you use the N sixty four. Like you know when you put a fucking N sixty four game on a modern display, and you're like, oh. And I actually had the similar experience when I got the the classic, the PlayStation one classic, and like all those games blown up, and I was just like, oh, oh baby, I don't know if I want to look at this. Um, but the the, the PS two scales really well, so that's all great and thumbs up so far. My next objective is to get it playing nice with streaming software it's a little bit more complicated because there's a lot of devices handshaking going along there i'm like converting the ps2 cable to hdmi which goes into a splitter which can go into the tv and can then also go into the capture card which goes into the pc lots of places where that can go wrong and i haven't quite figured it out yet 
but um, that's kind of part of the fun of streaming is figuring all that shit Absolutely. out and just making it making it work, swapping this out at that chord and the other chord. But yeah, so that was my uh, in the new year. I'm hoping to get get some some PS2 games up and running. Yeah, um, I'll give a little tip for people listening if they're interested. Um, as far as what you say about PS2, which is true because it was so, you know, widely bought, it was so successful that it's it's relatively inexpensive these days. Yeah. Um, for anyone interested in in picking up a Wii, right? Because remember, Wii is depending on the model you get. If you pick up one of those, like, not launch, but one of those like white systems. Yeah, that they're also backwards compatible with GameCube, which is where the games start to get expensive. But GameCube consoles themselves are more expensive. Uh, you can get a Wii. I was looking on eBay the other day for about fifteen euro. What? <laughs> so, I'm, probably with postage, you'd maybe come up to like twenty twenty five. But for oh. like buying a system, I don't yeah. know what what they come with. But like, this isn't like one listing that was that cheap. Mm. They're all in the range of twenty to thirty. Wow. You know? Um, that's that's incredibly tempting because I never owned one, but I, I feel like I will be killed if I try and put another console on that fucking TV, TV stand, <laughs> which is now absolutely bursting at the seams. Yeah, because um, because yeah, because yeah, right, because it's the games that kind of get pricier. Because I know, I know GameCube in particular, there are some very like yeah. like li- like if you if you tick the box of like being a third party game but still exclusive to the GameCube, you are like. You're you're making money on eBay. Um, I, I have Twilight Princess on GameCube that goes for 150 euro. Oh, baby! Because oh. it was it came out on Wii as well. Everyone owned the Wii version, but they didn't. But yeah, okay. that, that has waggle controls, and if you have mm. the GameCube version, it's it's just with the controller. Interesting. It, no one bought it on GameCube except this guy over here. Yeah. Yeah, the, the the PS2 market's really interesting because it's kind of like a lot of the the like I got the I got the three main GTAs and they were all less than twenty quid, absolutely yeah. perfect. I got I couldn't believe it because it's such a revered thing. I got uh, SmackDown, here comes the pain for I think a tenner, and I was like, this is great. I can just get I can just get all my faves. But then when I was like, oh, but what about these games I miss? And I was like, okay, I I went for like the obvious one. I was like, I looked up Marvel versus Capcom two, which is out of print and off all the digital storefronts, and that's eighty quid before postage. So I was like, okay, you'll have to wait. Uh, you know, you're, that's as much as I paid for the fucking machine, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's it's interesting getting into all that stuff and seeing what costs a lot and what doesn't. Um, uh, well, yeah. Welcome to the world of retro console owning. It's a yeah. wonderful place. And you will enjoy yourself. Uh, yeah, I, it's it's super. Uh, between that and the streaming, it does feel like these are things, these are rabbit holes. You can go down. But yeah, I, I think I'll have to wait because we're still in this apartment. I feel like I have to wait until I get my own like office space to put all this shit in because it is it is getting a lot um but yeah that was the other thing for me this week yeah, um, i just wanted to bring up one more topic before we move on, go on which is the topic of dreams not um, the game not the game <laughs> not that white chocolate bar that cadbury's bought like 15 years ago oh it was good though um but dreams you have what you're having asleep in that mm. um because i had it this isn't wasn't even necessary this week was it was recently enough um and it goes along with something else that i've dreamed before i've had two dreams now where and i, I you know before i let me just preface this by saying first of all that i i don't believe that there's any special significance necessarily to dreams Ooh, you know this is on halloween oh i got a bloody second um but i've i've twice now had dreams where i've met people in the dream who have like passed away <gasps> um the first time it happened was my my grandmother who died i think it was in like january 2015 and then i had like the most vivid dream 
that I was in her house talking to her. And it was it was really weird because in a way it did feel like even though it was my own brain making it happen, it did feel like a weird kind of closure. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it was really nice. It was it was like it was so vivid, it was like seeing her again, you know. Mm. Um and then I had a dream just the other week that I was at work and the uh a great friend of mine, the late great mama, oh. fucking strolls oh. in. I'm back. Aww. It was a fu- like I think in the dream he was even like, uh, "Oh no, I never died. It was just a hoax." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was not, it would not surprise me. No, would it, not it, surprise it, me. A worker to his core. Yeah, and that's really nice as well. Like it was, it, it was like hanging out with him another day. You know. Mm. Um. So I don't know. I, I I just it was something that was on my mind, and it's not even necessarily a conversation point, but just sometimes. Sometimes dreams, even though there's no significance to them, sometimes they can nevertheless have a kind of effect on your life, you know? And that's yeah. kind of all the, all the guff I have. Oh, no, the footy. Sorry, quickly, Joe. Yeah. The footy this week. Did you watch? It's good. Yeah, it's good again. Game. <laughs> was it less depressing this week? Less embarrassing, I would certainly say. Okay, yeah. okay. That's all right. Um, that's the main thing. Although, have we shot ourselves in the foot by uh, handing Conte over to Spurs by the looks of it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I wasn't that keen on him anyway. You weren't a big Conte yeah, head. I'm not. No, not really. Um, Are you? I like, think he's you, the kind of. Ma- I think he's a manager who could come in and shake things up a bit and put in some discipline. But I still don't think he's the sort of manager we really need. You know, it's not a long term kind of. You know, building a, a vision. Just what really what we need. Are you like me, the craft football fan, who's like, I'll take uh, ten Hag over Conte, please. Get me some little German fella. Ash. Who's won a uh, Bundesliga two or whatever they call it? <laughs> um, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I like Ten Hag. Ix, I think, are a well set up team. I think he's 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 like a kind of a kind of Klopp. Uh, not saying he's as good as Klopp necessarily, obviously, but like a Klopp style. Yeah. Uh, hiring where like Klopp was at Dortmund, obviously, and had success with them. That's what that, that's what Ten Hag seems like to me. Conte. I wouldn't say is Mourinho like, but he's certainly more in that direction than yeah. the way I'd like to go. And we've already done the Van Gaal, we've already done the Mourinho. Yeah, mind. and now <laughs> Tottenham are following an Arsenal by the look of it. Although I think Conte will do will do a job with them. Certainly, the hiring of Nuno was a a baffling decision. That uh, it was just one of those desperation things. They themselves didn't really want him. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like, oh shit, time's running out. I've got to buy something. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get something in. Yeah, we've then, yeah. we we fired Mourinho. Bring in a shitter version of him, please. Um Yeah, but nevertheless, the match was uh I guess from a United fan perspective was a a, a good one. Um although God, how do you be more pathetic than us? I Spurs utterly, utterly inept in that match. Yeah. <laughs> Not a single shot on target, first time since twenty thirteen. Unbelievably bad. Um, but I, you know, I, I, uh, I actually had predicted the formation uh, in, in the immediacy after the Liverpool game. I was, I was chatting with someone, and I drew a little mm. formation of what I would play for the Spurs game, and it was a three-five-two mm. uh, with basically the same players. I think I had, um, I, I left Bruno out was the only change. I think I had like shored up the midfield. I might have even had a Lingard mm. in, in, instead of a Bruno, but I think I had Ronaldo Cavani, and I did not Varane. I had because I didn't know he would be back. I'd buy Lindelof and Maguire, but um, seems like that's going to be the way for the next couple of weeks. Shore it up before we get back yeah. to the attacking ways. What is interesting in that 
you know, we bring in, um, especially Sancho. Seems like he doesn't fit into this formation. A lot of the players that we've put time into don't really nah. fit into that formation. Um, I wonder if he would experiment a little bit with, with playing a more attack-minded player at maybe right back when playing this formation. Because I don't think you need to be as defensive when you have three full uh, three centre-backs playing to necessarily have Juan Bissaka also on the right. And maybe you, yeah. you could go with a, like a green one, maybe. I or mean, a, why did they sign Sancho? <laughs> like... They must surely if you sign a player like that, you must think, well, he's going to play in that position. Yeah. Or do you just go, oh, he's good, sign him? Oh, I, I think their their idea was to play him uh, on the right wing, and then the fact that Rashford was injured at the start of the season forced their hand to play him on the left, and then he kind of hasn't worked on either because he hasn't been played consistently there, mm-hmm. and now because he hasn't clicked immediately. Now we're changing change formation completely where he doesn't play. So I don't know what they're going to do. I don't think they know what they're doing with their recruitment. It's no. just like, oh, hire Sancho because we wanted, we wanted the season before. Oh, get Ronaldo in. He's available quick. Oh, Varane, whatever. Spend the money. Rather than thinking of, right, mm-hmm. how do these players fit into the system that we want to play? Which is one of the criticisms you have of Solskjaer, I know. Yeah. Um, City were beaten as well by Palace. Do you see any of the uh, oh, yeah, watch, action watch there? Points. That was good. That was good. Um, obviously, red card that's going to benefit us because he'll be, I think, banned then for the uh, yes. game in the port. Um, I was watching the West Ham Villa game. Uh, Jesus, there was a red card not given in that that should have been, and a red card given that shouldn't have been. What was the elbow was given, wasn't it? The no, the I, I that's the one that I think should have been a red. You got, you oh no, they gave it for the the they gave it for the, the goal scoring. Yeah, which he wasn't really running that running at goal. I don't know if I hundred percent agree with that. But when I saw the replays of the kind of forearm charge, I was like, ah, that's a, that's dangerous play. But anyway, good little good little uh, weekend of football. I was lucky to have um, Crystal Palace's Gallagher on my fancy football uh, team. Got thirteen points for me there. Thank you very much. Um. Nothing. Oh, the Liverpool Brighton game was very good as well. Bloody Brighton! I, I hopefully we don't play them for a while until they come into some bad form because they look yeah. really good at the moment. Yeah. When, you, when you said you were lucky enough, I thought you were going to say you had a little flutter at the weekend. No, not since Paddy Power <coughs> blocked me off doing the free bets after they, I won too much money. <laughs> I only play with house money, brother. <laughs> I too like to live safe. <laughs> um. Safe is my middle name. Um, we'll jump in here to the Tele Guff. Um, uh, who's been watching a bit of Teddy this week? I have not really watched much Teddy. Uh, uh, been watching a little bit of the old TV. A couple of well, one new one new show, one kind of show returning. So Succession came back a couple of mm, weeks ago. Mm. Um, just we just watched episode three now before doing the show. Oh, baby, this season is off the fucking hook. It's like Crash TV. It, they're going full pelt every episode. No slowing yes. down. Straight in. The dialogue is mwah, just just, <laughs> just everything. The, all the best bits from the first two seasons, but just over and over again. They're really going, going full pelt with it. So, yeah, Kendall is oh, it's really coming into his own as a kind of complete manic douchebag manic fairy manic pixie douchebag that's how i describe him 
So he's fantastic. He's really taking the lead in the season. So yeah, enjoying that. Yeah, um, we're, we're coming to the end of season one now. I think I'm on. I'm on season one, episode uh, nine, maybe. Yeah, you, come on, Paul, just, I'm, I'm catching up. Don't worry, get, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. Get a watch. Season two is a blinder as well. Um, yes, yeah, so that's really good. I also started watching a, a new show on the BBC uh, from Bristol's own Mr. Stephen Merchant, Man Alive. Um, he's got a new show out called. Uh, Outlaws, which is about a group of people doing community service, uh, cleaning up a, I don't know, sort of a community center or something. Okay. Um, so and they get they get involved in some kind of uh, slightly nefarious plot that's going on. But um, yeah, I quite enjoyed it. I thought at first viewing, it's a weird thing to describe. It's, it feels a bit like a kids show. In a way, like some right. the characters and the themes are so basic a lot of the time. It, it feels like this could be on CBBC, like a you know gang of kids right. get involved in a you know caper. But um, I think as the as the show went on, um, it got a bit stronger, and I do really like the kind of main the main character in it. She's she's really interesting. Um, few kind of cliche characters in it, but uh, yeah, enjoyable enough from nice nice outing from from Smirch. It also stars Mister Christopher Walken. In perhaps the unlikeliest role wow. <laughs> to see you playing this kind of kind of like playing like the hip granddad kind of role like yeah he's up to no good but he's, he's really really funny but <laughs> his delivery of the lines in that ridiculous accent is just funny every single time that's yeah, makes the show worth watching uh, on its own but uh, yeah I think episode 2 of that is on tonight so yeah enjoyed quite enjoyed that I'll give it, give it a straight go I'll be honest if Merchant wasn't involved sort of thing I probably wouldn't bother watching but you know I'll give I'll give Steve the benefit of a doubt and yeah quite a, quite a fun show so yeah that's a good bit of telly this week did you see British Bake Off Joe last season or last week yeah every, we watch it every week we were, give, we were given out last week Joe How how is George still there George, I'm here again this week. How is he still there? How did he not get eliminated last week? I know, I know. Who went? It was it the woman? It was a woman, wasn't it? It was Amanda. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, this lad George is like he's never learned how to bake. He's just winging it every week. Oh, my cake's (laughs) falling apart. Oh, I don't know how long it's supposed to be in for. I don't know what I'm doing. And every week they're like, and the person I have to do the sad thing to say the person leaving this is. The one that's not George, and it feels like they've done that now for four weeks in a row. I mean, come on, how he must go this week, right? Surely, surely. I think you know a bit of entertainment value in keeping him around, though. So keep him, keep him for week five or six. <laughs> but when you even look back, like Freya, who they got rid of, was a very capable chef. Yeah, this guy's is a boob. He doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> it's a boob. Uh, I don't yeah. know. It's mad. Anyway. Apart from that, you know, the usual, I'm watching uh, Lost, I'm watching, uh, never mind the Buzzcocks, same as always. Cool. Alrighty, uh, we'll jump into the movie guff. Um, uh, I've seen some movies I can Ooh. chat about. Uh, I'll start with the, the kind of the repeat here. We got some uh, Halloween classics. Uh, let me see here. We watched the very first A Nightmare on Elm Street. 
which still holds up incredibly well today. I think a damn it's a, fine film. A damn fine film. Um, I think next year we're still uh, we ne- we didn't get through our entire rewatch of Halloween just yet. We're nearly there, but I think once we finish that next year, we may do a Nightmare on Elm Street. Still fantastic, really, really great. Uh, like legitimately scary in parts, but it has that campy fun right from the first one. Really great. I uh, rewatched The Corpse Bride, which I think I enjoyed more on a, on a second viewing. I saw it for the first time last year. Uh, animation in particular, I think, is just spectacular. I think it really, it's an amazing looking movie. Uh, really enjoyed that uh, again. Uh, uh, so I on our Halloween rewatch, uh, we got to Halloween H2O, which is the first of the quasi reboots where they say okay ignore all of those ones except for this two so for those keeping score h2o acknowledges one and two and then it skips everything else and then it's the seventh technically uh it's okay it's 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 pretty solid um the thing that i noticed from rewatching all of these is the ones that john carpenter did not do the score for stick out like a sore thumb and some of them try and emulate his score to mixed results and then you have ones like this one and i think uh uh, uh six where they just say fuck it we're gonna go do our own thing and the results are usually bad because when a film has a a soundtrack that's synonymous with it it, uh, even if your intentions are the best you can't you can't not have it but i i think it's a decent little film um uh it's 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 not entirely dissimilar to the 2018 reboot because it's very it's very very slow in the first half but then once it kicks off in the second half it's basically kind of just like jamie lee curtis trying to stand her ground and say right i'm gonna end this you know which mm. 20 years later they rebooted it again doing the exact same uh idea it's okay it's it's not great but it's okay um it, it, they've got a kind of a uh young cast it was like josh hartnett's first uh, uh major picture a young jo- joseph gordon levitt is in it also mm, um it does kind of feel like they were trying to do that thing of, you know, passing the torch to the next generation of of stars, but then they, like, Hartnett did one more and then they rebooted again, so it wasn't... Those elements kind of felt crowbarred in, like we're trying to hang a little bit with the screams of the world. and everything. It's okay. As far as this mostly terrible franchise goes, it's a pretty good film. And speaking of this franchise sucking a fat turd, I saw Halloween Kills in the cinema, which was a big old piece of shit. Um, and I don't know pop- if you know this, Barry, but I've only seen the trailer, right? But I, did you know that evil dies tonight? I, I did know, I did know. Uh, and I, let me tell you, you've only seen the trailer, but let me tell you that the, the 17 other times they say that, it is it is equally as badly delivered and corny. Um, so I really like the 2018 reboot. I think it's quite dumb, but I feel like it's also kept relatively simple. And so there's not too much room for error. It's got some laughs. It's got some spooks. It's well shot. Jamie Lee Curtis is tremendous in it. It's a solid continuation of a of the original. Um, but I kind of suspected this one might be bad because, like I said, it's not. The 2018 was not amazing. It kind of feels like it's more than the sum of its parts because there's a lot of stupid shit in it. Uh, this one, this one is just like it goes completely off the rails. Um, there's a red, there's a red flag really early on when obviously the the previous film ends with the house on fire and 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 Laurie Strode's family are are, are escaping to to safety and and Myers is presumably burning in the house 
And so this film picks up and a bunch of firefighters go to put out the fire. And of course, Michael Myers survives. And then there's like a scene where there's like 15 firefighters and they all have hacksaws, uh, axes, chainsaws. And there's a really weird scene where like Michael Myers, like a total badass, like John wicks them all and (laughs) fucking owns them really spectacularly in hand to hand combat in a way that was completely bizarre. Like I realize he's like a relentless killing machine. He's always like overpowered. Actually, no, that's not even true because an old lady beats the shit out of him in H2O in the first couple of minutes. Um, But like they, they really like, like, and it goes for like really like spectacular, like humorous, like kills. Like there was more wacky kills in this than in the shitty fucking Mortal Kombat movie earlier this year. Right. So it, that gets it off on a really weird foot. Then, is it like Vader in Rogue One? Is it? It is very like that. But again, that was I, I dislike that because they were try, they were leaning too much into the idea of, of Vader being a cool badass. But it was still supposed to be scary. Right. But like Michael Myers is like fucking grabbing an axe. Bang, bang, Oh, you're coming out with a chainsaw? Like, he's doing all that shit. It's so fucking ridiculous. And it's like, okay, so are we, like, leaning fully into the idea, you know, uh, Freddy-esque and Jason-esque that, oh, like, you just want to see him kill people in an amusing way, and, and that's fine. But we're not really doing that. So so they, um, the key thing about this film is that they they bring back a lot of characters from the first film. So unlike H2O, uh, the new Halloween films, they ignore two. They literally only acknowledge the first film as, as canon. So they bring back Jamie Lee Curtis. She's great, obviously. That's great. But they bring back all these like weird bit piece players from the original film, like the little girl who Jamie Lee Curtis is babysitting. She's now one of the real housewives um, uh, on one of those shows. Uh, they bring her back. She has way too many lines for someone who is now a real housewife on <laughs> a reality show. Um, they bring back just various other people. I can't even. There's like the nursey carjacks in the first couple of minutes of the of the original film. Like they bring back all these weird bit characters, and so there's doing a storyline where they want to do mob justice to Michael Myers. And it's very much when are we getting to the ha- to the fucking fireworks factory? Because I'm like, okay, when is when is Jamie Lee Curtis getting out of her hospital bed and picking up a shotgun and going to fucking fight? And I, spoilers, it does not happen in this fucking movie. She has when, about when does she flex her arm and the cast she doesn't do the rock, the rock thing. She does not. She does not pop it off and 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 rap about how it's about drive. It's about hustle. She doesn't do any of that. Um. So they so they've got this whole thing going on, uh, and uh, where where there's this uh. A group of original characters, they want to find him and do mob justice. Then you've got the scenes where Myers works his way through Haddonfield. You've got the, the movies have always had a little bit of a laugh. They have super long extended vignettes where, um, what's his name? Uh, Eastbound and Down, Danny, Mc, Danny McBride. He has about 20 minutes of screen time where he plays a hilariously gay man. Um, it, like I could not believe how much screen time they gave this. He's like a really cool hipster gay dude who dances around his vinyls and gets high. And his uh, he has the same name as his boyfriend. They're both called John. They're called Big John and Little John, no. uh, which is the most I was written by a, a heterosexual man name for a pair of of gay gentlemen you've ever seen in your life. Um, so they do a bunch of uh, uh, wacky comedy where they are like again they have like they they live in the Myers house so that's the whole thing so that's why they get so much attention but like they get more screen time than people who are just killed uh, should get 
but that's all they are. They're not main characters. Like they, they are, it was obviously one of those things where they saw Danny McBride read the lines and they're like, this is fucking hilarious. We have to double the amount of this guy's in the movie. It's so well, he, funny. He wrote the movie to be fair. I, actually, yeah, sorry, Brad. He has a, he has a, a, a writing credit as well. So yeah, he's, he's in on it. Um, so you've got them, you've got the mob, you've got Jamie B. Curtis, who for most of the film thinks he's dead thinks michael myers is dead she offed him at the end of the last one she's happy out and i was again i was like okay when's the when's the moment where she finds out he's not and she gets out of her hospital bed and it never happens so like the evil dies tonight thing uh it's with a heavy heart i announced that uh michael myers turns all of haddonfield into the joker in this film uh i won't spoil what happens but the the mob the mob justice which i don't know about you that's i think that's class but actually the film says wait a minute they look at their hands and they go why are we so violent uh, uh and, and, one of, and one of them the fucking sheriff from the original film who's about 700 years old in this film and really looks it <laughs> um he he turns around after they do something i won't spoil and he says now he's making us monsters. He looks older oh. than Palpatine in this movie. I cannot stress enough how old this man looks. Um, and all, and like I said, they've got comedy ownage where Michael Myers is like soloing an entire troop of firefighters and then um, uh, uh, murders the shit out of mincing Danny McBride. And then they've got all the fucking the losers who are ransacking a hospital uh, and then they're they're going completely po-faced like, oh, what have we become? Who is the real monster? I can't even really say. And then, I mean, I don't even really mind spoiling this. There's no, there's no Michael Myers, Jamie Lee Curtis stuff at all. There's a conclusion to the mob justice story. Jamie Lee Curtis finds out Michael Myers is still alive. And it's the most DQ finish on an episode of Raw you've ever seen. They basically like, she looks out the window, he looks out a window and they cut to the credits as if they come back next year to see them actually fight or see a conclusion, which I mean, they announced it was a trilogy. They said they were doing three films, which is fair enough, but it, it was still like annoying leaving. It was annoying leaving going. That was not only very inconclusive, but it wasn't even fun along the way. Oh my about God. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 finish. Yes, very much. Yes, very much. Very much, uh, which I know we'll be talking about again in a few minutes, but fucking hell, that was a bad movie. I mean, it was really quite terrible. Um, uh, and and any redeeming qualities you might have were were were, were you know e- easily cancelled out by the by the schlock. Um, so yeah, they're gonna fucking limp to the finish line with another movie next year, which I've just less than no interest in now. Um, but yeah, that's Halloween for you. And uh, what else did I watch for um, uh, Halloween? I watched uh, for the first time ever Eddie Murphy's The Haunted Mansion. Oh, uh, I'll be honest, lads. I think it was made for kids. <laughs> uh, I'm, I, I, it's and it's one of those ones. No, it's made for kids. Kids. It's really a kids nice, movie. Yeah. Uh, it's not. Te- it's not terrible, but it's not. It's like not anything I would remotely recommend anyone over the age of six watch. Um, I watched The Descent on Netflix, which I'd never seen. I'd heard a lot about. Um, it's one of those movies that you think it's going to be one thing, and then it's actually about something else. And I was a little bit disappointed, but the thing it actually is is pretty cool. It, it's it's okay. it swerves you halfway through, but it ended up being pretty good. Um, it starts off as a kind of psychological, very claustrophobic thriller about these, uh, I think, six friends who go spelunking. It's the type of film that would never make you want to sit foot in a fucking cave for the rest of your life. It's incredibly claustrophobic and yeah. and horrible. Um, and then there's a twist in it that again I won't spoil. I was a little bit like, oh, I was kind of enjoying what it was, but then 
what it is is still good. So uh, thumbs up on that one. Yeah, you thought it was pretty descent. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's not descend into shitty puns. Oh, we've done oh, it. I've absolutely done it. Uh, and then uh, the last film I watched was not a spooky film. I did. Me and brother went to the theater to see a, a screening of a film during the week. Um, uh, the Irish Film Institute, they do do a film, I think, once a week at a local theatre here in Limerick, a little little bit of Irish independent cinema, um, which I went to, well, it's not independent, it was from the film board in RTE, I think. Um, but yeah, I went to see Herself, which is a kind of, uh, uh, I'm not sure how I would even, it's, it's a drama of sorts, it's basically about a woman who, uh, she and her two daughters escape a, a, like an abusive uh, uh, husband. Uh, it's it's w- one of these films set in modern day Ireland where she can't get a house, she can't afford a house, she's in emergency housing, shitty job, no money, blah, 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 Dublin, you know, it fucking stinks. And so what she decides to do after getting a gift of some land from a friend, she decides to build her own house. Um, and that's what it's about. And it's a very, it's very harrowing and it's very heartwarming. And there's tons of great performances in it, including the actor's name escapes me, but uh, Varys from Game of Thrones. Mm. Um, he plays a, a Jack the Lad bricklayer type character. He's fucking tremendous. He's really, really great in it. I actually, it's like it's if it's as, if it's if it sounds odd. I honestly didn't even know it was him at the time, but he's he, he's really fantastic in it. Um, yeah, that's great. Um, I do, I imagine that that's a highly, extremely limited release. I, I, I apparently it came out in September. I did not see it listed in cinemas very long, and then this was a again this was a local theater arranged to show it so i don't know if it's it'll probably be on streaming before year end but very good very good if anyone wants that kind of uh uh heartwarming family well heartwarming it's also tough to watch in parts but it is it is very very good uh yeah and that's it that's all my uh um films i can see here on the list uh june and uh, and last night in soho which I could have gone to see, but I chose to see Halloween Kills instead. So I hope, I hope, lads, you're going to tell me that I was uh, definitely wrong to do that, and that those movies are very good. Do you want to take a stroke? I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. Uh, I did see the new. I did see last night in Soho. So that was the movie we went to see uh, last night on Halloween. Um, so this is, of course, the new film from Edgar Wright. Uh, director of Shaun of the Dead mm. and Baby Driver and Scott Pilgrim, Hot Fuzz, etc. Um, it's it's kind of a, it's a psychological kind of horror movie, so it's it's a different different kind of genre from things he's tackled in the past. Um, so the the Soho in the title refers to an area of London, of central London, uh, quite a kind of well known area that's was known for many years as being quite seedy. It was kind of a bit of a red light district. Um, so lots of sex shops and uh, knocking shops and other kinds of unsavory shops. Um, it also became really the kind of gay quarter of London as well. So to this day, it's still very much the kind of heart of the gay community. Um, and I actually worked around the area for about five years. So I'm um, the office where my company was based was right in the heart of Soho in central London. So I know that whole area very, very well, you know, walking the streets on the way to work, mm. going out for drinks at lunchtime, etc. Um so yeah, it was, it was I was very very kind of excited to see and anticipating the movie a lot. Um essentially the story is a kind of young girl who moves from the countryside. She's 
uh, kind of obsessed with the 1960s, uh, 1960s London, so the kind of swinging 60s, you know, uh, parodied by Austin Powers, but the kind of real life, you know, 60s of, of the, the, yeah, the music, the cinema, the Beatles, all that kind of stuff. So she moves to London to study fashion and then gets a, a little bedsit apartment in, in Soho, where she starts to have some very strange dreams about 60s Soho. Mm. And it's kind of transported into this kind of parallel world, and it and it goes it kind of goes on from there. Um, so I I absolutely loved it, um, really really loved it. My, my probably my favorite film of the year. Wow. I think I think as I mentioned, like because I, I know the area so well, like literally every street they go down, I I'm like, well, I know that street. I was trying to think, oh yeah, what street's that? I was yeah, I know all the pubs and all those places there. Um, so for me, it kind of has that weird almost like kind of intimate feeling where it feels like the movie's set in your reality. Cause you just, yeah. you're looking at these locations. You're like, that was me. I walked down that street. This is like, you know, so you just kind of, you relate to the character so much strongly because they, they're inhabiting that world. And I don't know if everyone that sees the movie will obviously feel quite mm. as strongly as that. So I, I don't know that everyone would think this is an amazing five-star movie, but for me, it certainly ticked kind of all the boxes um in that sense but also in terms of you know enjoying edgar wright's movies and his kind of the sense of humor and the style of it i absolutely loved all of that as well i think the the cinematography and the direction and the very kind of practical way he films things you know there's certain scenes where you can tell there's no there's no um computer effects like it has been done very old school you know perfectly timed like a character moving into the into the camera shot just as they need to and a prop being moved and all this kind of stuff really really kind of cool kind of old school filmmaking um yes yeah, so I, I i really really loved it i would say the only so i was going to criticize it and as i've as i've said before on the show i'm a big scaredy cat when it comes to supernatural <laughs> horror movies, I don't like any kind of ghosties and spookies and, yeah. and particularly, you know, the scariest thing in the world when you're looking in a mirror and you see something in the mirror. That's the scariest thing in the world. And there's a lot of that in it, but it, well, I didn't actually find it that scary. I would have to say like, it was quite you know, eerie at points. There's a few scary moments, but um, yeah, for a kind of, psychological horror movie it wasn't as scary as a lot of the kind of supernatural stuff you've seen but you also didn't rely on like your jump scares mm. there's none of that kind of you know cheap cheap tricks like that um it was just a very kind of more, more of a i guess kind of tension rather than just constant sort of scares um yeah i i absolutely loved it and i i can't wait to go and see it again um might go back to the cinema and see it again, actually, just because I enjoyed it so much. But yeah, big, big thumbs up from me. I know I'm setting a high bar and I will mm. qualify. I don't think everyone will like will like it as much as I do because <laughs> it's just a very personal film as well to me. But I think you probably, yeah, most people will probably enjoy it. I think it's a lot, lot there to to like. So yeah, it was big, like when big... I when I pointed at the wonderful barn when I was watching. So <laughs> yeah, very similar. Yeah, very similar. I, I'm looking forward to it. Do you point at any points? <laughs> Getting ejected yeah. from the cinema because you keep pointing at things. Basically, yeah. In fact, that was a problem as well. So I kept getting distracted, kind of trying to place the streaks. I was like, oh, I know that streak. But that kind of kept taking me out of the plot a little bit. But I think, yeah, watching it again, I'll, have, I'll kind of get past that. But yeah, very, very good film. Yeah, no, it looks, I think, I think we're going to try and go see it. Tomorrow. I think it looks I really good. It yeah. looks fantastic. Look, I mean, I love Edgar Wright stuff. Yeah. Love the old uh, Taylor Joy and. Uh, What's her name? Mackenzie out of uh, Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. yeah, she's really good as well. Really, yeah. Really good. 
So that was great. Um, speaking of quality horror movies, mm. um, also watched Scary Movie. Ah, um, yes. A great, great uh, classic satire. I have to say, guilty pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I have always enjoyed that movie, and I watched it again uh, today, and I really enjoyed it. Obviously, a lot of dated humor in it. Yeah. But it, I think it, it does satirize those kind of horror movies. Like, it doesn't just, it's not just a reference movie. There are a lot of references in it, especially towards the end, they started with Matrix type stuff. But. Mm. Um, it does satirise kind of Scream, and I know we did last summer in those kind of movies, and it does also follow the structure of Scream very closely in terms of the, the plot and everything. So I think that actually makes it a much better movie than all those sequels, you know, the epic movies and superhero movies and, and all those other parodies they, they went on to do. So, yeah, Guilty Pleasure, Scary Movie, still really good. Um, I then tried to watch Scary Movie 2. Now, I did try to watch this once before and, <laughs> and gave up after about two minutes. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a certain scene very early on that's very off-putting that, that caused me to stop last time. I got beyond that this time and then stopped after about four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting through yeah. it about two minutes every ten years. So I'm going to watch scary movies. I'm not sure I'll ever watch Yeah, that, that one stinks. I mean, yeah. <laughs> scary Movie 1, I mean, because I, I forget how much until I rewatch it. Scary Movie 1 is really similar to Scream, and I know what you did. It's And I know what you did last summer. I mean, it really is kind of like, what if we made these movies but with less class? Yeah. Um, but still kind of all right, you know, it's another guy. Scary Movie 2, I mean, you can lump that in with the, the real dregs of that genre, your, your epic movies, your fucking superhero movie i mean the, the all, that whole glut of parody films from that era were just terrible worst, e- every now and then the scary movie i thought three was also pretty good well relatively speaking i maintain that three is good three three is funny three is also when again because there's, there's a huge amount of eight mile in there so that's also when they were kind of like we're just going to do movies <laughs> we're just going to do yeah. fucking films um yeah but it's peaks and valleys two is ugh, abysmal terrible no that's that's how, that's how francis from malcolm in the middle never got a proper go in hollywood <laughs> speaking of two is abysmal joe <laughs> oh. oh yeah that's another my, movie another movie. movie i watched today the amazing spider-man 2 oh my uh, favorite yes. thing in the world is listening to people um, talk about amazing so Spider-Man. i <laughs> <laughs> so i hadn't i hadn't seen this one before i hadn't bothered watching it um after the the first amazing spider-man came out mm. um and I did when I when I reviewed the Amazing Spider-Man. I think a few months ago or a couple of months ago, um, I was a lot more favourable on it on the second viewing. I thought actually it wasn't too bad. It just probably paled in comparison to the original. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I can't say the same about the Amazing Spider-Man Two. It was dross. It was just just a boring mess, really. Like there was nothing in it that, of any kind of interest. It, it just starts off with really bad comedy. Like mm. at the beginning, all these really unfunny. Sort of, spider-man doing jokes and stuff and just really bad um there's no kind of heart to it at all um it's just just completely unnecessary all this uh, the science and the technology stuff and then there's a plane crash with peter's parents in it and then paul giamatti's in it for one scene at the beginning and one scene at the end because they wanted to do a third one and then yeah. jamie fox is playing this stupid character who then turns into a mr freeze electric version <laughs> just oh that was worthless and the wor- probably the worst bit was the norman um not the norman osborne the harry osborne harry, character. Yeah. 
he was fucking shit. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. It was so badly cast. I was like, what are they, what are they doing? It was really bad. And also Felicity Jones pops up playing a, a secretary, yeah. which I think was supposed to be another character they were setting up for the, the it third was. movie. Yes, that's Black Cat. Yeah. But yeah, so it just kind of feels very weird having those kind of characters kind of popping up and then not never actually going anywhere. Real yeah. real hubris filmmaking. So many threads. It's fucking two and a half hours long, yeah. which is really unbelievable. Um, and didn't get a chance to do uh, I mean, the amount, <laughs> the I, I, you could call them breadcrumbs, but they're like loaves. The amount oh of shit God. about Peter's parents they drop in those first two movies. It's, it's one of the great Hollywood blunders that they never even got to conclude that story after so much. Yeah. They feel, they, they, <laughs> one thing I always think about with those movies when I watch them is you can tell Andrew Garfield really wants them to be good. He really <laughs> wants them to be fucking good. And they, uh, they put out, it was a deleted team. I think it was on the DVD. He's, as he is at the end of both those movies, he's in the fucking graveyard crying like a little fucking loser. Um, <laughs> but they had a scene where his uh, his dad, you know, all disheveled and with a beard comes back after being presumed dead for all those years. Right. Um, and Andrew Garfield does his best fucking Oscar. I, I'm screaming in rage, but I'm also sad. Where were you? Uh, performance. I was just like, oh, God, this guy. Sky wanted this movie to be good, and not only not only was it not good, they didn't even put that fucking scene in the film when they when they put it in the cinema. There's there's ten million deleted scenes as well. They obviously wanted that movie to be three and a half hours or something. There's a whole Mary Jane appearance in it that got cut. Uh, I don't know why they thought they would have needed that, but you know, yeah. Oh, dreadful. Yeah, I'm up today. I'm up today with all the Spider Men. There you go. In in anticipation for for that next one. Yeah. Um, uh, which is out not even that far away from now. What are we? Oh. Five weeks. Five weeks. Uh, Paul, what you watch this week in the cinema? Oh, a couple of spooky movies, and then a couple of new releases. Mm. Uh, we'll start with Candyman. Uh, Candy the Man. nineteen whatever year it was the nineteen nineties version. Two, three, four. I have no idea. Whatever year it came out, not the new one, the original. Yeah. Um. So I liked it, but everything I'm, I'm going to say about it are things I didn't like. So okay, <laughs> be right enough. So let me just say first of all, I did like it. The things that I thought were especially good were like the set design, mm. um, the performances. I thought were generally very good. Uh, I liked the way the Candyman character looked and the way he kind of communicated, almost like, you know, there was an element of. You know, you know the 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 trope that some some horror movies do or, or psychological thrillers, where it's like, is it all in the character's head? Is the character going crazy, or is it really happening? Mm. Yeah, and I think even though the film has a kind of definitive mm. answer to that, I think you can still interpret it both ways if you so are, are inclined. You know, and I think the, I think watching it that way is actually an interesting way to watch it, even though the film pretty pretty definitively goes in the direction of that Candyman is real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, however, I, I I overall thought that it was it was very like plain looking, um, almost to the point of like TV movie. It's it's not a a, a film that has really aside from like the set design, which I already mentioned. It doesn't have a, a particularly unique feel or look. Um, I don't know who was the cinematographer on it, but it's very like plain looking. Um, as far as being a horror movie of that era. What it really lacks, and I think it's probably the biggest criticism I would have of it, is like a a really memorable or really like 
pulsing score. Yes. Yeah, I think that's very fair. Um, which the next film I'm going to talk about uh, is is the, the direct opposite, which is a film that's really enhanced by the score. But we'll get to that in a second. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think overall with Candyman, I, I would say it was pretty decent. <laughs> um, like the story itself, I thought was quite well written. I like the introduction of some of the characters, especially the little kid. He's like, "Bitch, you gonna get me killed?" Um, he was great. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of expected a bit more horror to it. I guess it, it, it felt more like, um, uh, you know, the 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 ring, the Japanese ring. I thought was similar. It, it almost feels more like a crime procedural with some supernatural elements to it than like pure horror. I guess. Yeah. Uh, what Joe said earlier, um, it's or maybe it was Barry. It's like not particularly scary either. <laughs> for no, yeah, you know. For for a, a conceit which is pretty scary, especially if you maybe one of the films if you saw it as a kid, where it's like you know, say Candyman into the mirror mm. five times and he appears, he's got a hook for a hand, and he kills you. And then you watch the film, and it, it's not really that kind of. It's not really a slasher movie. It's not really a, a kill per minute movie. It's more of yeah. a like they're not cops, but it's more of a like an investigative. Yeah, it's kind of what I liked about it, for better or worse. And I do think yeah. it's it's a kind of a unique beast, which I think is really cool. I think it works you, in its you, favor for sure. You haven't seen the new one, have you? No, I've only that's my first t- they, toe dip into the water. They're not super similar, in a, but they are kind of similar in that way. In that the new one is also kind of odd and weird, and it's doing some tropes, but overall, it's not really fitting into any one genre. Second one's way more divisive. Um, I'd be interested to hear what you think about it if you do get around to watching it. Um, yeah, I mean, I like the uh, the message of the original one, which which is stuff that I heard about the new one. The original one does quite well, which is like deal with themes of like institutionalized racism. Mm, mm. Like it, it, it touches on all that in the original one for for better like or worse. I heard that the the new one is a bit heavy handed in its message. The original one I thought really did that quite well. Mm. Um, I just wish, like I say, that there was a bit more. Like visual flair to it and a, 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 a damn fine horror score that maybe pushed it yeah. over the edge. Um, and then the other horror movie I watched was Suspiria. Again, the original Dario. Ah, uh, yes. One. Not, yeah. the, uh, not the three hour remake. Fucking um, hell, is that how long that is? Oh my God, with fucking <laughs> Sophie Turner of three hours? Oh my God. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, so Suspiria is a film that is almost entirely visual flair <laughs> and. Uh, a damn fine score which which just goes to show like if you're if you're making a horror movie or let's say if if they had been making a horror movie back then i think Suspiria is like late 70s so anywhere between like halloween and Candyman, let's say uh it really just goes to show how a good score a good tubular belsy score uh will get you quite far <laughs> so Suspiria is is like is really a horror movie there's some really uh nightmarish visuals and uh argento of course uses a exaggerated color to kind of accentuate the nightmarish feel of it and you know if there's one thing i like it's films that feel like nightmares and Mm. films that feel like plays there's certain Mm. film types that really just resonate with me and this is one of the more nightmarey feeling films i've maybe ever seen that's nearly entirely due to the uh the visuals and the, and the sound because the plot is kind of really simple 
Um, yeah. And the plot is one of the, the lesser aspects of the film. It's really just kind of a framework for them to hang the individual set pieces around. Yeah, they're going... And that, that's, that kind of sounds like more of a knock than it kind of is. It's one of those when you watch it, you're like, it works for what they're, yeah. Yeah, what Absol- they're doing. It absolutely, absolutely works. And there's some really, really memorable scenes in it. Some uh, really unique... Uh, I wouldn't even call them kills per se, even though that that is the point of seeing is that a character is killed. But it's not that kind of film. That it's not a saw. Mm. It's not a a film that has kills for kills' sake. It's a film that definitely, uh, you know, narratively proceeds, but but has has a weird supernatural uh, kill here or there. And uh, I thought they were really well done, really, really memorable. Um, but like I say, it's 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 a film that's really really style over substance. So if that's going to irk you, maybe it's not for you. I, I thought I thought it did work. Sorry, I thought it was very good. Um, I have zero interest in watching the remake, so make it that what you will. Yeah, as we were kind of talking about it, I was like, you know, I like the remake, but yeah, it, it did not accomplish anything that was not accomplished in the. Maybe you know, I don't know. Maybe someone watched it and took a different slant on it, but I, I don't know. It did yeah. feel a, a good, but a bit a more than a bit derivative. Yeah. I mean, this the thing with Suspiria, right? Talking about the plot is it's it's, it's for all intents and purposes, it's a film about uh, an American girl who goes to like a dance school in Germany, right? There's like barely any dancing in the film, right? Because the film doesn't waste time doing a ten minute dance scene. The film's like the school is only to get to the kills and the the witches and shit (laughs) you know it's not don't worry about actually doing a dance in the film there's one scene where she's like a bit unwell and she tries to dance i think that's really the only dance in the film but i thought i thought it was quite good it's definitely uh uh, an an hour and a half if even i think is it's well worth checking out it's on amazon Amazon prime Mm. that's where i saw it yeah so give that a check and then two cinema trips uh, so we'll start with the biggie. We we'll start with Dune. Hell yeah! Uh, the new Denis Villeneuve. Uh, so Dune is is good. Um, however, it, it there <laughs> there are parts that are not good. Like I I think it's Villeneuve's weakest movie that I've oh, seen. Oh really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's more to do with how good his. Film well, is. that's a high bar, I suppose. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, like I went to seven, I think that's the lowest score I've given. Wow. So let me tell you why. So the first half hour, 45 minutes of the movie are so boring, <laughs> right? But that's more to do with how devoted he is to the source material. So mm. doing the unfilmable book, right? He, so he has to spend 45 minutes setting it up and this is family out of days. And this is the, the the planet of Arachnus, and they go here because of this. And it, it you know, what it felt like honestly, Phantom Menace. <laughs> it, it, it's, oh, it's, it's fucking. Oh no! <laughs> it's uh, diplomacy. Really knew it was just like it's a poetry. It rhymes, you know. <laughs> it's so dense every scene. <laughs> every um, single frame, it has something. No, but it's it's like it's diplomacy, this and bureaucracy, that, and right? Blah blah blah. But it's like. The film has to do that so you can understand the context of then the bits that are not boring. Mm. Because without the setup, the film would make no sense. But um, one feedback I've seen of it is uh, over in the US, it's it was released uh, on HBO Max as well as right. Obviously over here, it's just in cinemas. But people who watch on HBO Max say it's really a film that you need to watch the first half hour with subtitles. Because it's a little bit like Game of Thrones, where there's so many names being thrown Things at being you. being thrown around, yeah. 
yeah, they were like, wait, who's, who's this? And what, what, where are they coming from? What's happening? Um, so that visual help might, you know, be, be of assistance to people. I, I basically just let it all wash over me. I was like, I'm not even going to try and really figure out what's happening. I'm just going to go along with it. And like, I didn't really miss out much by focusing, hyper-focusing on this guy's name is this, and this guy's relationship with this person is this. Mm. The film, like, will catch you up as you watch it. So the first part, very, very dull, but because it's set up. And then for the big chunk of the movie, the movie is long, obviously. It's two and a half Mm. hours, give or take. So the first 45 minutes, let's say, quite boring. Then you have a good chunk of an hour and a half where it's really good. Uh, You know, on, on the level of your typical Villeneuve, like there's elements of it that really remind me of Blade Runner. Um, elements of Arrival. Um, so there's good stuff in there. And then the film comes to like a natural conclusion. And again, then, because of the devotion to the source material, it continues for another like 45 minutes. <laughs> At which point it's kind of boring again. Um, so this is the deal with it. Like the, there's there's good stuff in it. You have to wait a little bit for it. But it is good, and it, it's really good. But then it's kind of bookended by by slightly less less exciting pieces, unfortunately. Like there's there's stuff in there that's among my favorite scenes that Villeneuve yeah. has done. But I wish that he <laughs> was a little less devoted to the 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 book. Like he's apparently a huge fan of the book. He really wanted to faithfully adapt it. But like, oh my God, it was a bit of a slog at at, at points. Mm. Um, but I think again, overall, I gave it like a seven. So okay. not bad, not bad, not bad. But uh, if you're new to Villeneuve, maybe start with some of the other ones first. Some of the better ones. Start with your uh, your. <laughs> I was going maybe don't start with Enemy. Start with uh, Prisoners or one of the more accessible ones. Uh, and then I watched The French Dispatch, which is the new Wes Anderson film. Uh, and I'm a big Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. I love me, a bit of Wesley. Love uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, Isle of Dogs, Fantastic Mr. Fox. One of my favorite directors, Wes Anderson. And so French Dispatch came out. Uh, two generally positive reviews, but not, not overwhelmingly positive, but generally positive. And... Um, let me tell you, what a joy. Oh? What a joy this film was. I don't know whether it was just after, because I watched this, we went to cinema on two consecutive days. We watched Dune, and then we watched French Dispatch. I don't know if it was because of the heaviness of Dune, or, like I said, the uh, the the longers that were present in Dune. That, mean, right. that, means, a, that means a long, boring scene for the, the non-film mm-hmm. snobs. Listen. Um, this is just what I needed. Oh, what a fun! And also, we saw it in a tiny screen uh, in our in our local cinema with like twenty seats. Ah, oh, just an absolute pure fun entertainment. Like the the film is a um, it's an anthology film. It tells three separate stories, half an hour each. The film's only an hour forty. I think. Oh wow! Okay. In and out. Um, it's it's about a. Uh, a newspaper supplement called the French Dispatch, um, based out of the uh, the on the nosely named uh, Ennui sur Blase in France. 
and uh, of course, all the usual Wes Anderson heads are there. Bill Murray, mm. Owen Wilson, Jason Schwartzman, uh, Timothy Chalamet, who's also of course Dune. in everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Weirdly, there was a lot of Dune people in it and a lot of Bond people in it. So if you've seen either of those recently, you'll be seeing a lot, a lot of those heads turn up again. But like, of the three individual pieces, the first one was the best. So the opening 45 minutes of the film, I would give a 10. <laughs> like, it was so, so good. Okay. Like, you know, you hear the cliche of whether it's played the video games or films or whatever, like, oh, I was sitting there with a big smile on my face the whole time. I yeah. li- literally was. I was, okay. I was just like, oh, I'm just enjoying this. This is just so fun. Um, the middle bit then, completely inversely to Dune, a little less, like still very good, hmm. a little less fun. And then the third bit again, excellent again. Uh, Jeffrey Wright, who... I love a bit of Jeffrey Wright. He shows up and he's kind of like the the main character in the third bit. I was like, oh, fucking best person to cast to bring this film fucking back. Jeffrey Wright. So similar to what Joe said about uh, Last Night in Soho, French Dispatch, my film of the year. Wow. Uh, So, but, but here's the kicker. Probably you won't be able to see it now because when I saw it on Thursday, uh, there were only two showings that day, one at like 11 in the morning and one at 8.50 at night. It's when big. I saw it because Dune and Bond and Venom are eating up all the screens, baby. So I don't know if it's going to be on streaming sooner than later, but uh, I, I adored it. I thought it was just... Obviously, it's Anderson. It's super quirky. Maybe the quirk is going to turn some people off. Oh, I, uh, Just the most fun you could have in the cinema. Oh, I loved it. Love, 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 love. So we can now move on to Le Game Agouf. Um, I don't have any new or current releases myself. Um, so I suppose I can pass over to you, Paul. Okay. Uh, so continuing with Death Stranding. I uh, haven't got much further mm. in Death Stranding this week, but I am uh, tipping away at it, as you do. And I have started playing, because I'm a very bold boy. Uh, my, eyes, my eyes have been wandering. I'm, I'm like that meme of the boyfriend looking over his shoulder at the other mm-hmm. game. So I've started playing a little Nintendo 64 game called Banjo-Kazooie. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Uh, on the Xbox, to be fair. Yes, yeah. not, well, the best not, way to play it. The best way, not on, not, not the N sixty four version, which I own. Yeah, screw that. Uh, for all my talk about retro consoles earlier, if there's a better modern version, I'll yeah, there's, there's, it's, it's different. You know, it, it, case by case basis. You know, sometimes, and the the correct answer is very rarely to play with that fucking controller and <laughs> those shitty textures and that shitty frame rate and everything about it sucks. <laughs> this is true. Um, although, as as the uh, Nintendo Switch Online has shown us recently, uh, sometimes mapping the controller to any other controller just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I must say the uh, the way the controls for Banjo Kazooie have been mapped are perfect and feel completely natural. Nothing feels like you're going out of your way to be like what. 
C down is right button, or you know, mm. everything feels like oh, this. This is just like they made the game on Xbox. It's it's absolutely perfect. Graphics are upresed, which is to say the resolution is better. The textures are exactly the same. Um, and I'm actually it's going to sound very blasphemous coming from me, but I'm actually coming around to the idea that Banjo Kazooie might be a better game than Super Mario 64. <laughs> what? I was wondering what game you were going to say there. I, uh, what? Honestly, honestly. I mean, listen, I didn't have a great experience with 64 there honestly. recently. But. And I'm the biggest, biggest 64 fan. And I'll defend 64, but playing Banjo-Kazooie, I'm just like, fuck, this, this, this game might be, might be legitimately just better than 64, which to be fair, like 64 was a launch game Bandit yeah yeah like yeah true two years later or whatever but it controls super well you have full camera control on the right stick which maybe is just an xbox edition maybe that wasn't that way on on 64 but like i i don't think so no. full camera control the little moves you learn feel completely like fun and great additions um there's very little in the way of like frustrating level design which to be fair there is in mario 64 as much as i love mario 64 there is some why does level design this way um the levels are all great there's nine levels which is a good amount good variety so there's like a hundred jiggies to to collect the jigsaw pieces and i had in my head the banjo was really just like a, a collect-a-thon right it's like yeah always, always be the negative i would use against oh it's collect-a-thon whereas mario 64 is just pure fucking platforming <laughs> <laughs> oh like a fine glass of uh, silver mm. blanc. <laughs> whereas banjo is just an out bucket of piss but um actually there's not that much to collect it it's just the 100 notes per level which is the equivalent of 100 coins in mario Mm -hmm. 10 jiggies which is the equivalent of the stars in mario and then there's just five the five little bird men you collect which gets you a jiggy which is less uh than the eight red coins you have to collect in mario levels so in a sense there's less to collect in it um and the great thing about the xbox version the really really great thing which is, again, much, much better than the... And, and for Mario 64, let's keep in mind, they have put Mario 64 out on Switch and made no fucking effort to make any quality of life improvements to it. Yeah. In Banjo-Kazooie, it keeps your note progress if you leave the level, rather than resetting completely. So imagine Mario 64, where you're collecting the 100 uh, yellow coins, coins mm. and you get 50 of them. The next time you start the level, you start on 50. You're not starting from zero again right. and oh, you get 96 coins and then fall off the level. It has to do it all again. It keeps your progress. Hmm. Makes the game much easier to 100% and much more satisfying to play. Um, so I'm on, I'm on the seventh level already. I've only been playing for about five hours and I'm seven tenths through the game, let's say. Jesus. Um, the swimming is much better than Mario 64. The flying is much better uh, than Mario 64. Swimming sucks in Mario 64. Exactly. <laughs> so to be fair, like I don't want to be too critical of Mario 64 because, again, Banjo-Kazooie in many ways is, is using Mario 64 as the template to then iterate on and improve on, which Mario 64 didn't have the, <laughs> the opportunity to do. But uh, my point is, I guess, just that... like. Having never really gone back to Magic Zooey and now finally going back to it, I can really appreciate that actually it's a much better game than I ever gave it credit for. Sure. And I'm more excited than ever now that I get to go and play Banjo Tooie, which I've mm. never played. There's a whole other game to play afterwards, which would be like a brand new game for me, a brand new release. So and then I'm you can do nuts and bolts. 
Bolts has some defenders. Some people like their nuts and bolts. Well, they put out a Game Boy Advance game. So I don't know if that was before Nuts and Bolts. Uh, Nuts and Bolts was 08, which probably would have been into... Uh, no, that would have been that Game been Boy Advance. That would have been DS yeah. already, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, uh, listen, you know, I, I've never played it, but I know it was very divisive. Yeah. I think I think it was a little bit a little bit of not my Banjo-Kazooie, because it's a completely different <laughs> genre of a game, but I think yeah. I've heard it is good. I believe yeah. it is also on Game Pass. It's part of that rare... Is, is it a rare replay thing you're on in... Yeah. I think it probably is, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, uh, so they're all on there. Banjo Kazooie, let me tell you. Oh, if you if you have Xbox, you have Game Pass, and like me, you've played Banjo Kazooie in the past. Like I've beaten it, but I never hundred percented it. Or you've never played it. It's a really, really great. Whisper it now, all together. Better than Mario sixty four. Wow. Uh, sixty four era platformer that they've actually made quality of life improvements to that make it feel it it. it is perfectly playable in in uh, 2021. It doesn't feel like Mario 64, where you're fighting with the controls, yeah. fighting with the camera. Um, Thank you, God, Microsoft. If, Fuck you, if Nintendo. Only Nintendo had bothered to do yeah. that with Mario 64, but they didn't, unfortunately. So. I, I I was already not getting that N64 extension, and then all those clips of like Ocarina of Time came out, and I was like, oh, yeah. buddy, oh my God. Why does it look that way? That exact, the exact, take the guts of a Switch and put it in a phone and you could make it run better just by downloading a, a ROM. Yeah. Well, that was that was the thing of N64 games. A lot of the time they used, like, Turok was notorious for it, but like, a lot yeah. of times they used Fog to accentuate atmosphere or hide, you know, load out, load out of graphics, etc. Yeah. Uh, and in, in, in Zelda, they use it a lot. For atmosphere, so if you take it out, you just have this big, empty, ugly-looking room. Like, that's yeah, not what the game is supposed to be—you're you're like fundamentally changing the tone of the game. Anyway, we won't give out about Nintendo anymore. They are idiots. No, but, no, uh, they are, they are. But we, we will move on. Once a uh, year, they do something right. Speaking of speaking of the old Game Pass, um, are you going to make the uh, this this new re-release? Is this going to be your first foray into the classic GTAs? It will be. Um, are you going to? Are you going to? So it's very weird. They like if you have PlayStation Now, which I yeah, have. Yeah, ne- you, you get four, right? You get three. You get three. Oh, sorry, three. And if you have Game Pass, you get San Andreas. And if you want Vice City, the best one, you cough up that front. You have to pay, yeah, yeah. You have to get, you have to get, you have to buy one of the main boys. Um, yeah, I'm really looking for. I'm super glad they did because the thing I'm super glad they're doing the Game Pass thing because that means like on launch day, I can play it yeah. and I can play it on my new shiny Xbox. It's going to look great. It's going to run great because what I want to do is I want to wait and I want people to test the Switch version for me. And if that version's great, I'll that's the one I'll actually get. Right. But I, but I, that's a big. I want to wait for that and see because I feel like that could be shit. I, it's one of those ones I really want because there's a lot of stuff coming out in the Switch these days. Where I'm like, oh boy, I want to play is... that um, Forgotten City game. Have you heard about that? Yes, and I've heard Skyrim great things about it. One? Yeah, got great reviews. Yeah. I'm really. Uh, it's uh, it's it's uh, from what I understand, it's yet another time loop game, which is just all the rage yeah. these days. Yeah. Or or not 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 as simple as a twelve minutes kind of one, but it's a it's a uh, 
you you bring knowledge with you through multiple runs to try and solve it's apparently great i try i've kind of avoided i once i heard it was yeah, great i don't know i don't, don't want to know i don't want to know too much about it but um the the game pass bangers are crazy because forgot yeah forgotten city and then you get that gta and also it takes two which was another huge game from earlier this year is out in a couple of days yeah. which was a big i i love whenever you see those graphics come out of what's coming on game pass and you're like i was just thinking of buying that and i you've saved me 40 quid microsoft thank you mr spencer um i will i will do that but yeah uh lots of stuff coming out it's good that that, that the game pass get low because there's actually not a lot of stuff coming out for like the remainder of the year yeah. halo obviously halo yeah forza i'll definitely give forza a go uh i'm sure it'll be very shiny and very nice yeah. um yeah so uh, yeah you'll have to continue your halo odyssey obviously yeah well um, that's that's literally why i play those other <laughs> games otherwise i would not given a shite but anyway right. that's we- the uh the game guff yeah, do we, we have, have a quiz a um, um, petit quiz the film uh but i know what you're thinking usually we do wrestling themed quizzes mm. it is one of them but oh. so here is uh the the rules so as usual there is a set a and a set b and that will be determined by who goes first we are going to go chronologically okay through WWE Studios releases. Oh, Only the ones what have wrestlers in them, right? Okay. And the game is, I will give you the year and the film, and you must give me the name of at least one wrestler who features in that film. <laughs> oh, right? God. This is going to be harder than I think. <laughs> Some of the films have multiple people. Any one of them will do for the point, okay? Okay. If you don't know, it'll be passed over. So... Who would like to go first? I'll go first. All right, Barry. Question one. Well, it's not a question, but 2002's The Scorpion King. Can you tell me a wrestler what was in that movie? First of all, was that a WWE Studios film? Co-produced. Really? Or or this also includes, previously it was like WWF production. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, I know. Of course, I assume that. That's actually an interesting trivia note. I I will say Dwayne The Rock Johnson for that. That's correct. Joe... 2003's Welcome to the Jungle slash The Rundown. Dwayne The Rock Johnson? That's correct. Uh, Barry, 2004's Walking Tall. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. (laughs) I believe believe Mr. Knoxville also had a match uh, under his belt, but I'm not too certain. Um... I don't know if he did. I know know they're going to bring in Jackass that one year, and then they didn't. Oh, and then Benoit, yeah. Uh, Joe, 2006, See No Evil. Uh, Glenn Kane Jacobs. That's correct. Uh, Barry, you, you notice the, the early ones are quite easy here. Mm. Uh, Barry, 2006, The Marine. Uh, John Cena. That's correct. Uh, Joe, 2007, The Condemned. S- uh, Steve Stone Cold Austin. I'll give it to you. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, Actually, yeah. Steve Williams. Oh. No, he changed his name legally. Oh, he did legally. Yeah, yeah. Warriored himself. What a, what a mark. No, he didn't uh, die. He, he, he didn't die in a car park. That's not what I'm saying. But he changed his name legally. Anyway, go on. Terrible. Um, he was, yeah. Go on. <laughs> Barry, 2008, Behind Enemy Lines, Columbia. <laughs> oh, I believe Mr. Warden Ken Anderson was in that. Oh, that's Christ. correct. 
Um, <laughs> I bet that was great. Joe, 2009, 12 rounds. Um, I believe this is beefy WWE hunk John Senna. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, Barry, 2009, The Marine 2. Oh, no. The Marine sequels. Here's where we start getting into it. Um, I believe, I recall, I think this is the one Mr. Joe Towner reviewed on the blog back in the day. Um, I may be mixing, oh no, am I getting that wrong? Wait, hang on. The Marine 2. Um. Oh God. I, I, I'm going to okay. you for a name. Okay, I'm going to go Randy Orton. It's incorrect. Joe, for the point. Uh, still, uh, I believe it was Mr. Ted DiBiossi Jr. Yeah. That's I, correct. I was, I was like, was he two or three? I can't believe they went straight to Ted DiBiossi Jr. for the second one. What a fall from grace for that franchise. All right, Joe. 2000, 2010's Knucklehead. Oh, God. Oh, Knuckle. Fuck, I remember that. I think it was... No BS, Paul White, the big show. Mm. Correct. <laughs> Barry, yeah. 2010, legendary. Uh, John Cena. That's correct. Joe, 2011's Inside Out, not the Pixar one. <laughs> <clears throat> I think that was where someone with Triple H replays an ex-con or something. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, Barry, mm. 2011's That's What I Am. Uh, Randall Keith Orton. <laughs> That's correct. He's going to go to the papers, I hear. I'll go to the papers if I have to. Joe, 2011's <laughs> The Chaperone. Oh, the fuck yeah. <laughs> God, some of these films. We got to watch some of these at some stage. Uh, these are all like early CSP. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and even, even then we didn't bother. <laughs> like it was just a joke on the show. We never I even think, entertained the idea of watching them. I think that was Triple H as well. It was to make yeah. in front of a bus. Um, yeah. Barry, 2011's The Reunion. I have no memory of that at all. I'll just take a complete shot in the dark. John Cena. Correct. Okay. Joe, 2012's Bending the Rules. Oh, God. These are, we're really Bending getting into the, the muck rules. now. Okay, I don't remember that one at all. Um, I'll go for The Miz. It's incorrect, Barry for the steal. I think I've I, Edge. Edge is correct. Yeah, I vaguely recall that one. He's in like a Hawaiian shirt or something on the cover. I think. <laughs> oh yeah, Hawaiian shirt one. Yeah. All right, Barry. Uh, the Marine Three Homefront. Uh, I believe this is when they. This was the Miz. Correct. Yeah. God, action hero, the Miz. What a shitty company. <laughs> All right, Joe, over to you. 12 rounds two, also from 2013, uh, or from 2013. 12 rounds two reloaded. I'm vague, I think. Was it Randy Orton? Correct. Uh, yeah, because it was supposed to be Punk, I think. Famous yes, I think that was the infamous like one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, Barry, 2013's Christmas Bounty. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh. God, um, the Miz, correct. Ah, shit. Joe, twenty thirteen, dead man down. Oh 
God, 2013. Dead man down. I think I know this one. Could be anyone. Um, oh, fuck knows. Um, oh, 2013. I'll go Edge again. It's not Edge. Barry? I think I remember this one. I think this was when they got into their phase of buying... Uh, moderately well-regarded films from festivals. And I think this one had Colin Farrell in it. And I believe Wade Barris had a cameo in this one. That is correct. Oh, yeah. Everything you said was correct. Um, okay, Barry. 2013's No One Lives. Oh, God, I don't even... I, I, I Name doesn't even ring a bell. Sounds like a horror. I'll take a complete stab in the dark and say Kane. Incorrect. Joe for the steal. No one lives. Um, so, what year did you say? 2013. 2013. Oh, fuck, nice. Um, I'm trying to think who else would have been flavor of the month at that point. <laughs> would have been put in a movie, but I can't think of anyone. Um, oh, fuck. I'll go John Morrison. No, that's incorrect. The answer was... <laughs> Good guess. That was Brodus Clay. Oh, yes! Um, yeah! Oh! All right, Joe. 2013, Queens of the Ring. Queens of the Ring. Queens of the Ring, 2013. Uh, I'm going to assume it's one of the... Maurice. Nope. Barry, for the steal. <laughs> Queens of the Ring. Yeah. What year is it? 2013. It's fucking hell. Like, I can't. I can't. Have, um. Page? Incorrect. You could have yeah. had The Miz, CM Punk, or Eve Torres. They all have what, cameos in What? I have never. I don't think I've ever heard of that. It's a French co production called Les Reines du Ring. Or in English, Queens of the Ring. What? Barry. Scooby-Doo WrestleMania Mystery from 2013. Oh, uh, God, there's loads. Uh, John Cena? Correct. You could have also had Brodus Clay, Michael Cole, Kane, AJ Lee, Santino Morella, The Miz, Triple H, or Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon, yeah. God damn it. Joe, 2013, The Call. How many films did they put out in 2013? A lot. The Call. I think, uh, I kind of remember this one. I kind of remember this, yeah. Shit, I'll write you on. Not correct, Barry. Uh, I know. I think Halle Berry was the star. Um, yes. I think. Oh, I know it now. Shit. But I can't remember who. Um, uh, Dean Ambrose. No, it's incorrect. Joe for the re-steal. David Otunga. Correct. Yeah. Ah, yes. Ah, yeah. Of course. Of course. Barry, a film after our own heart, but one that we we would never enjoy. 2014's. Jingle all the way to. Oh, yeah. They put Michael Mazan in back in that one, I believe. That's incorrect. Joe. What? Ooh. Ooh. Um, oh, he's in that other one I said, the Christmas bounty. Uh, I don't know. What? 2014. God, who's shit and would have been in a movie? Um, well, who would have been in Jingle all the way to specifically? The big show. That's not correct. Though he should have been because he was in the first one. Why didn't they bring him back? What's wrong yeah. with him? Continuity. No, the answer for that one was Santino Marella. 
Oh, oh God, yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe, uh, 2014, Leprechaun Origins. <laughs> I'm going to guess Hornswoggle. What's <laughs> <laughs> the answer? It's correct. Uh, Barry, 2014, See No Evil 2. Yeah, when, uh, yeah. I just like what to acknowledge the Irish representation in that last one. Uh, See No Evil 2, uh, Kane. Correct. Uh, Joe, the Flintstones and WWE Stone Age Smackdown. Uh, um, just play it safe and go for John Cena. John Cena. That's correct. You could have also had Brie Bella, The Undertaker, Nikki Bella, CM Punk, Vince McMahon, Rey Mysterio, Daniel Bryan, and Mark Henry. Mm. Uh, Barry, the Marine Four moving target. Uh, the Miz. Correct. You could have also had Summer Ray. Yes, uh, of course. Summer Ray. Joe, 2015. We're 2015 now. 12 rounds, <laughs> three lockdown. <laughs> um, 12 rounds, three lockdown. I will say Dean Ambrose. That is correct. Oh, ba- Barry, 2015, Santa's Little Helper. <laughs> the Miz. That is correct. You could, also, yeah. you could have also had Paige. Joe, 2015's The Condemned 2. Oh, God. Um, oh, fucking hell. The Condemned 2. Uh, Roman Reigns. That's incorrect. Barry for the steal. I have no idea. I'll take a guess and say Steve Austin. No, that's incorrect. Uh, Randy Orton. Oh, God. Uh, Barry, 2015, Vendetta. No, I've never heard of it either. Yeah, what? Vendetta. uh, uh, Rusev. No, Joe. Uh, Wade Barrett. No, it was the big show. Never heard of that. Uh, Joe, 2016's Countdown, not the uh, Channel 4 quiz show. Fucking hell. Um, Randy Orton. Uh, yes, you could have also oh. had Dolph Ziggler, Kane, Lana Rusev, The Usos, Roman Reigns, Santino Morella, Dean Ambrose, Curtis Axel, Mark Henry, Big Show, Daniel Bryan, Heath Slater, Charles Robinson, Big E, Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, Victor Connors, Sin Cara, Kalisto, Brock Lesnar, and Paul Heyman. They, that's the one where they go to a show, isn't it? It's a cop movie that they Probably. go to a WWE event, I think. So it's Rusev with the gun. It's that movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Barry, <laughs> 2016's Eliminators. What? These have to be made up. I've that's only like five years ago. I have no memory of that. Uh fucking I'll just go with, with the with the fifty fifty shot, the Miz. No, Joe. Randy Orton. No, Wade Barrett was in there. <laughs> uh Joe, twenty sixteen's Incarnate. In- oh, what the fuck are these oh, movies? Uh who could it have even been in twenty sixteen? Uh I'll go for Seth Rollins. It's incorrect. Barry. Dean Ambrose. No, it was Mark Henry. (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh, my God. 2016's interrogation. (laughs) What? How are the most recent ones the ones that are... um, Okay. Randy Orton. No, Joe for the steal. Sorry, say again. I was Googling incarnate to check it was a real movie. (laughs) 
And can you confirm that it is? It, it, yes, it appears to be. It stars Aaron Eckhart. And oh, poor Aaron Eckhart. Therese Van Elton from Game of Thrones. Okay, 2016's okay. Interrogation, Joe. <laughs> 2016's Interrogation. <laughs> oh, Seamus. No, it was... You could have had Edge or Lana. Jesus. Uh, Joe, Scooby-Doo and WWE Curse of the Speed Demon. John Cena. Uh, No, John Cena, (gasps) not in that one. Barry, for the steal. Roman Reigns? No. What? That's a surprising uh, surprising miss. You could have had The Undertaker, Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, Vince McMahon, Michael Cole... Paige, Seamus, Kofi Kingston, Dusty Rhodes, The Miz, Rusev, <laughs> Lana, Golda, Stardust, Diego, Fernando, and El Torito, who are all in that film. Wow. Uh, Barry, Surf's Up 2, Wave Mania. Uh, Vince McMahon was in that one. I know that much. That's correct. You could have also had Undertaker, Triple H, Paige, John Cena, and Michael Cole. <laughs> Joe, The Jetsons and WWE, Robo <laughs> WrestleMania. Oh my god. Um, Roman Reigns. Correct. Okay. Uh, you could have also had Seamus, Dolph Ziggler, Stardust, Michael Cole, Seth Rollins, Alicia Fox, Big Show, Vince McMahon. You said fucking Vince McMahon is in all of these anime. Vince McMahon and Michael Cole is in all of them. Holy shit. <laughs> all right, Barry, back to the ones you may never have heard of. It is 2017's Armed Response. <laughs> <laughs> Armed response. Uh, sounds like a Randy Orton joint. Oh, no, I'm afraid it's not, Joe. Um, <laughs> armed response. Oh, God, I don't know. Uh, Mark Henry. No, Seth Rollins. Joe, 2017's Killing Hasselhoff. 2017's Killing Hasselhoff. Um... Uh, Seamus. No, Barry for the steal. <sighs> Mark Henry. No, it's incorrect. It was <laughs> the Iron Sheik. <laughs> okay. AZ's <laughs> 80s, 80s icons clashing, you know. <laughs> Barry, 2017's Pure Country, Pure Heart. Mickey James? <laughs> Big James was not in Pure Country, Pure Heart, I'm afraid. Joe, for the steal. Randy Orton. No, that was a Shawn Michaels joint. Oh, God, that sounds horrific. <sighs> um, Joe, the Marine 5 Battleground. Becky Lynch. It's incorrect, I'm afraid, Barry. Uh, the Miz. Correct. Jesus uh, Christ. You could have also had Maurice, Heath Slater, Kurt Axel, Bo Dallas, and Naomi. Yeah, that was the Bo Dallas one. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, Barry, 2017's The Resurrection of Gavin Stone. <laughs> what? Like, what the fuck? Um, I mean, it's just all a crapshoot at this stage. Edge. No, Joe, for the steal. Um, Randy Orton. No, incorrect. Resurrection of Gavin Stone, guys. It was a, a Christian movie. Oh. Of course, Shawn Michaels Shawn was Michael. in. No. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Joe, 2018, Blood Brother. Oh, it sounds... Oh, God. I don't know. Um, Edge. No. Barry. I'll try Shawn Michaels again. 
No, I'm afraid not. That was uh, not Christian's theme song off the after the music volume four. That was a film with our truth in. What? Um, trust me, I know. Uh, Barry, 2018's Mohawk. Big show. No. Joe for uh, Steel. Randy Orton. No, the late great Brody Lee was in that one. Oh, wow. Joe, 2018's The Marine Six, Close Quarters. Becky Lynch. Correct. You could have also had The Miz or Shawn Michaels. Mm. Barry. Sorry, you're getting all the ones you may never have heard of. A uh, little indie film, I think this one is. 2019's Fighting With My Family. <laughs> um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Correct. You could have also had The Big Show, Seamus, The Miz, or Zelina Vega. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Joe, 2020's Buddy Games. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. It's incorrect, Barry. Buddy Games? That's the one. Shawn Michaels. No, Seamus was in that one. Uh, Barry, damn. 2020's The Main Event. Um, uh, what, oh, Who the fuck was in that? Uh, Keith Lee? Correct. We watched that. On this we podcast. watched that together and I was really struggling still. <laughs> you could have also had Seamus, The Miz, Kofi Kingston... Beth Phoenix, Moro Ronaldo, and Com- Commander Aziz. Commander Aziz. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what happened to that guy? <laughs> He's still on SmackDown, isn't he? With, uh, I mean, uh, in terms of being on the brand, yes, on the television show, I don't think so. Uh, don't worry about that. Joe, 2021's Escape the Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kofi Kingston. Correct. You could have also had The Undertaker, uh, Big E, or Xavier Woods. Uh, and then Barry, last one, 2022's upcoming Rumble. Uh, fucking Edge. Now, Joe, for this, for the final steal. Uh, who do they like at the moment? Uh, I don't know. I got Seamus. No, you could have had Becky Lynch or Roman Reigns. That's that monster wrestling. You might have seen the animated film. I have not. I, I don't, I've oh, never seen or heard of this. Okay, well, that's every film. So we'll, Wow, uh, what are the scores? I'm fascinated to see how this shook out. The scores on the doors. Barry, you have 19 points. Okay, not bad. Joe, <coughs> you have 17 points. Oh. Barry, you're today's winner. Oh, yes. Go Bulls. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that was our trip down wow. WWE Studios. How, I uh, cannot believe they've made that many. In 2016, they had more films than pay-per-views, I feel like. <laughs> well, I don't know. A lot of them, I think, as you said, Barry, were films that they like bought or that they like co-produced, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and a lot Alrighty. of those rest appearances are just cameos. They're not really starring. Yeah, they stopped giving them starring roles a long time ago. Um, yeah, uh, so yeah, I suppose we can quickly chat about the wrestling. Did we all see the final of Dark Side of the Ring? No. I did, yeah. I thought it was kind of boring, to be honest. Um, I liked McDevitt on it. Yes, he was very interesting, yeah. he he, he You can tell why he wins a lot of them, them court cases. Yes. He's a very, uh, he's a very charismatic, very persuasive man. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't worry, I can be very persuasive. Leave town. Come on, I'll be friends. <laughs> uh, 
I'd, I'd say he's a bit like that. Um, and I thought he was like the best part of the show. Again, it was one of those episodes that you kind of know the whole story already. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a lot of dirt dug up necessarily. Right. Just uh, McDevitt going like, well, of course they're going to fucking lose. I mean, they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. <laughs> Aren't I great? That, that's basically what it was. Yeah. He, I, I found him quite compelling. The rest of it was a bit. I don't have much else to say about it, really. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that was, that was, yeah, I didn't have too much else to say about it either, really. I was kind of surprised they got him, because, you know, he still represents them. Um, but I guess he is also not an employee of theirs. He's, a, he's, their, he's his own man. Still surprised that he would even do it, f- whatever his connection, you know? Yeah. Um, what does he have to gain from doing it, really? I'm not sure. But. Gets to go on the show and boast about how, I mean, you saw his office... His office is adorned with fucking WWF steroid trial shit. I mean, it is like his crowning achievement. Um, they, they had big, big Dave on it. Big Dave on it and Wade Keller. They had a hilarious picture of Wade Keller sitting at his desk when he was like a teenager on like a fucking NASA computer from the 80s. Um, <laughs> they showed that bit where Dave corrects Vince. Vince on Donahue. Donahue, rather, I should say. Um Oh my god! I was like, "You just told me that, Vince." <laughs> the way Melzer speaks. Oh, yeah, what an odd thing they had. Like that promoter guy, Wade Keller, Dave Melzer, and Vince McMahon sitting there. Oh my god! And I was trying to explain to Bruno when we were watching it, but like I didn't want to interrupt the flow of, of watching the show. I was like, and they were also talking about wrestlers being diddlers on that show as well. But the, <laughs> like, that was quite the episode of television. Um. But yeah, um, do oh, a fucking God. yeah. Uh, second second half of the season petered out a little bit, I think. Um, I like I like the Luna episode. Luna episode was nice. XBW episode was quite good, I thought. Quite salacious. Messiah um, and his little hand, his little, his little missing. Hand. Yeah, uh, Johnny K Nine. I mean, that just felt like a a guy who was a criminal who yeah. was also a wrestler. You know, um, that that was about it. Um. Uh, what else was there? You know, I think I think they peaked early with like Pillman and and New Jack and. What um, what else is there to tell? I wonder though. I yeah, because I feel like when you when you look at things like they're going for like Johnny K Nine, it's like eh, okay, like what's I'm trying to think what's left. I mean, like you could probably there's probably stuff along the lines of Brawl for All where it was just like really shitty, like embarrassing parts of company history that are maybe less scandalous but still probably interesting to talk about. Um, I think they've covered a lot of the major deaths. Um, uh, they could, There's not really an episode in Eddie, I don't think. That's not really a... That, that you didn't get from the Benoit two-parter, you know. Um, well, I mean, Eddie had his drug release and crashed his car. And this, sure. So. Yeah. That'd um, be more of a redemption story, though, I feel. Yeah. Which, you could, why not? I mean, he's already been the subject of a documentary, but you could do Scott Hall, you know, um, uh, you know, because there's all that footage of him like showing up at indie shows, which is terrible. You can't really do Jake. That's so, so well worn at this stage. I mean, um, yeah, I I, I don't know. Um, It would be it would be interesting um, to see what they would. uh, But I suppose there's probably tons of stories that, that we don't even know about. Like, I didn't know half of the stuff about FMW. I mean, I thought that episode was really interesting. In terms of the backstage kind of you know uh, chicanery of, of, yeah. of who's running it and stuff, uh, but yeah, you know it was it was a good good season all in all. Um, uh, yeah, 
Um, yeah, and so what was the uh, what was the newsworthy wrestling from AEW this week? Um, Daniel Bryan is great. Sorry, Bryan Danielson is great. Yes, um, confirmed. I saw a tweet about someone. I don't know. I didn't see the complaints, but someone complaining that he doesn't have a storyline or something. It's like what? Fucking nerds! I'll tell you what the storyline is. The storyline is that Brian Danielson is fucking cool and beats great, people up yeah. every week and doesn't give a shit. That's all. That's the storyline. It's great. Long, long yeah. may it rain. And no, and to be fair, he's in the tournament. Like, yeah. he's doing yeah. something. He's not just having bumming around meaningless like, matches like cm punk <coughs> what did i just say that <laughs> although he finally got a bit of a direction on dynamite it looks like yeah yeah, yeah. Um, um yeah i mean punk had the match with with bobby fish which was another like punk i thought looked good but i don't know what it is about bobby fish but he just <laughs> he just he, his matches are like the first forty five minutes of Dune to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There wasn't much. There wasn't much to that for me. Um. Yeah. The um. Yeah. The tournament rolls on. They had another Moxley squash. He busted open ten. Yeah, that seemed a bit like I get what they're going for with like Mox comes in and destroys these people, but another one where they 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 do the gig ski, and then thirty seconds later the match is over. Yeah, you know, I I don't know if if that's really a place where you you know you you, you put another notch on your your blood belt, so to speak. Um, I I would prefer them to save the blood for you know the final of the thing. Yeah. For example, you could yeah. have a, have a bit of blood, but like a throwaway what four minute match that no one will remember in yeah <laughs> four weeks time. That just that just seemed a bit too much for me. Like, come in, have him beat him up, and so on and so forth. But I don't know if we need to be ripping the mask and having the having the uh, the blood going on. Uh, Sheed and Deeb, I thought was very good. Yes, I actually think I enjoyed it a bit more than the the first match. One. Yeah. Um, I know we're jumping around a bit, but uh, <laughs> Abaddon and Britt Baker, I thought was fun, right? <laughs> But Abaddon is just the worst. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, it was like, and it's funny because you know what? There's people who like really like her, but I suppose there's people who really like the fiend as well. Well, yeah, uh, whatever you feel about the gimmick, one way or the other. I thought that's what, what you were complaining about. No, I mean she is just terrible. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, like she's obviously green and everything, but I thought okay, I th- maybe maybe I'm a bit harsh. I think you're being a. I'll tell you what. I think you are being a teensy bit harsh because because she's I'll put in there my with, hands up and say that. with she's in there with Brit and like Brit will not carry a lesser. No, she's not I think Brit Danielson for sure. No, no, Brit is very mid level. Where if you put her in there with a mid level wrestler, she'll do mid level stuff. Top level wrestler great. And if she's in there with someone bad, it tends to be pretty messy. Um, Rick Baker in the ring, mid, mid. Yeah. <laughs> MDF might say, but uh, um, I don't know. Just, just everything, the everything that Avalon does, the way she throws her punches, the way I just, I can't get I out. Just, I can't get out of her. I hate the character. I mean, I just, I hate the Brit comes out and and Avalon does the scream and she runs. She's scared and. I, I just I was actually having a, a chat with with someone about this and they, they they were big into the Rabadon. And I said I didn't like the finish because I was like I just I I don't like when you survive getting your head pilmanized. First of all, I don't like that in general. 
I don't like, I hate, I, that's the one spot where I get Jim Cornette about it. I'm like, you should sell that like you're fucking dead. That should finish you. That, that's the fiend with the toolbox. That's the fiend, exactly. It's, the, it's that exact thing. And then she loses to a roll-up. I'm like, I hate when people kick out of a finisher and then lose to a roll-up because it just feels cheap. And it's the same with this. And it was just like, oh, well, you know, they're protecting her character. Like, yeah, but her character, she's a YouTube regular and Brit is like arguably top five star in the company. It's like, it's like, I am totally if 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 she was wrestling fucking Thunder Rosa and they wanted to quote unquote protect her character by doing a roll up loss, that's one thing. But the 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 gap between the two of them in terms of where they are ranked and it's supposed to matter in AEW, Brit should have beat her clean. I don't care what her character is. She should have killed her and won. You know, um you can do you can do your Abaddon fucking I can't be stopped shit. Well actually I was about to say you can do it later. I would rather you not do it at all. But you, if Brit, like, it's it's the classic thing we say with WWE all the time. It's like, who are you pushing? Pick the person you're pushing and they win. You, you don't have yeah, to protect this, the loser. This was obviously the Halloween gimmick. That, that, that uh, was the tie-in for it. Halloween is Abaddon showing up. You know, yeah, she she gets her match, so that's Halloween. Mm. She can still lose, you know. Um, I, I'm not a fan of <clears throat> yeah, the gimmick. Uh, I wouldn't call myself a fan of the gimmick, but I just, you know, when you, when you start a show, you watch... Brian Danielson, yes, and Eddie Kingston in a chef's kiss match, and it really that was, was. That was a stipulation, by the way. Chef's kiss. Chef's <laughs> kiss. Gordon Ramsay came out and gave him a kiss for some reason. I don't. And then uh, Dante Martin, who's like raw but extremely talented, extremely good, yeah. And then you have Abaddon in the main event, and it's just such a come down. Well, I like whatever. I like that main event. I thought it was a lot of fun. I, well, that's why I said I thought the main event was fun, but it was a lo- it was because of a lot of smoke and mirrors rather than. With a bit of <laughs> this is Cody Rhodes' company, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed what it was. Halloween, Halloween special doesn't count. Yeah. It's like the Treehouse of Horror. It wasn't sure. It doesn't actually count. Towards yeah, there, I mean, there'll be no mention of it for Brit yeah. going forward. They won't be referencing that Abaddon match he had last week. Uh, it'd be very throwaway, but like. Whatever about her experience level, like when you're putting people in the main event of one of your TV shows, they have to be of a certain level, you know? Mm. Otherwise, keep them to dark, keep them to elevation. Fair enough, it was a one-time like Halloween deal. I get that. But uh, I was just watching going, this girl is, just don't have it. <laughs> she just doesn't have it. Um, Again, I thought Rebel was the star of the show. She's so funny. My God. Rebel's just great. Uh, um, I, Rebel's really good. What else? Oh, yeah, as we said, we had Punk confronted by Eddie Kingston after the match, and that would be a, a nice mm. little full-year match. I really like the, the way they did that. Very natural, very yeah. organic. Throwing the microphone away, but you still hear it, so yeah, yeah. that's good. Bleep, that's bleeping his bold words as well, even on the Fight TV. Um, yeah, but yeah, that Danielson-Kingston match was tremendous. Tremendous. And I like that they're pushing, even though it was obvious to anyone watching, but I like that they're pushing his... Uh, he, Danielson doesn't have a finish. He can beat you with anything. Yeah, it's great. It's great because then he put that armbar on. And I was like, oh, is this is this, this week's finish? The armbar? Yeah. It, 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 it keeps you guessing. He should never repeat a finish for as long as he's in AEW. He's got a different finish yeah. every fucking match. That'd be perfect. <laughs> So I thought that was very good. Um, Speaking of things that weren't good, uh, Cody Rhodes' promo. Oh, um, God. I had to, as soon as he mentioned the word narrative, I had to start. Uh, oh, I will not turn. Uh, oh, my God. It was, oh. like, it was like EC3's 
fucking gimmick that he does on Twitter. The fruit <laughs> <narrative. laughs> yeah. This is why people boo you, Cody, because you're doing stupid, sh- boring shit. Yeah, yeah, he, he was trying to be self-depreciating, so the fans would be like, oh, yeah, actually, you are. He even did the thing where he's like, lads, I set up AEW. Don't forget. I'm responsible for this. <laughs> He wants he wants the the Vince McMahon respect where they're like bowing to him when he comes out. But um, yeah, I don't know what it, the 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 Cody. I think it was it, around the time that he he went to do Big Show game whatever the fuck that thing. Yeah, and he did it. I think that's where the the fan reaction started changing. And look, I I I would prefer for AEW not to go down that John Cena route where they're just like fucking. Mm. He's a, he's a baby face, regardless of what you think. Like the crowd want to boo him, let him be heel and let the crowd boo him. That's what they want to do. And then if organically they start turning towards him, then he turns face again. That's how the business is supposed to work. Yeah, like I like on the one hand, I do understand what people say when they say he is self aware and he's doing all of this stuff on purpose to you know manipulate the crowd, be the puppet master. But my my thing is like, but why? If he's if 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 I if I take that argument at face value and say okay, he he wanted to get Malachi Black over as if face but not really like i don't like and then to come out and you know he somewhat successfully got them back on his side this week you know they're pretty receptive to him it's like to what end i don't understand am i supposed to root for him to fucking win the title am i supposed to root for him to lose do i want matter black back to kill him i don't really get it you know um yeah 4d chess i guess yeah and then we close out with the rip-off <laughs> Ghostbusters music. How come this super elite in their, in their Ghostbuster gear with uh, the Stay Post Marshmallow Man classic Ghostbusters reference. And Nakazawa in a big baby costume for some reason. Adam Cole, baby. I baby. Guess. Yeah. It wasn't Ghostbusters related. I, don't, I didn't quite get that. And then the Dark Order came out in a variety of costumes. And uh, the match was very fun. But the most fun bit was, was at the end when when a horse came out suddenly and he, the horse was trying to communicate with the elite something like they kicked him in the balls gave him the four-way bte trigger and scooby dude pulled the mask off who's under the mask is it old man anderson <laughs> from the theme park no it was uh brandon cutler the stooge and then from behind was it matt jackson yeah Stay puffed, takes off the mask. Oh my god! It's out of badge! Perfect excuse. That's how you do it. That's how you do the 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 fun Oh the heels got the wrong guy and oh he's under the mask. And it was fun. It was and fun. at no point were the commentators saying that Adam Page just loves having fun, Excalibur. Yes. Which is one of the main problems. Like I've often been thinking recently about, like, why does AW comedy work and and WWE comedy often doesn't? And what I wouldn't call it the main point necessarily, but one of the points is that the commentators aren't constantly talking about how the wrestlers love having fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so nothing is serious. You know, oh, this guy Kenny Omega just love having to crack. Let me tell you, Jr. But uh, 
it was very satisfying. You knew you knew I was coming, and then when it did come, it was great. And I, I love the visual of Adam Cole throwing, or Adam Cole, Adam Page, throwing clotheslines in the big marshmallow suit. Very funny. Yeah, it was great. It, like it was, and then, it was and then he couldn't get the pants off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was waddling around with it still on his legs. But it was a very, a very fun closeout to Dynamite. Yeah, really good. So yeah. we have uh, Andrade versus Cody coming up this week. Yes, that would be quite good, I would say. Um, what else do we have in Dynamite this week? Uh, the next round of the women's tournament. I can't remember what the match is. Uh, Anna oh. Jay versus uh, oh, Bunny. Oh, or is God, that a dynamite? I, I hope it's not at all. What? <laughs> that oh, sounds rapper. terrible. Sorry, I have it here. Um, no, Bunny versus Red Velvet is in the TBS tournament. <laughs> Red Velvet usually delivers. To be fair, Red Velvet is has she's big big match Velvet. Fair enough. <laughs> That's true. Um, we, CM Punk uh, talking probably. Ah, uh, as usual. Yeah. Uh, um, is Moxie versus Cassidy? Anna, Anna J versus Jamie Hayter? That might be all right. And then Moxie versus Cassidy, as you said. Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good lineup. Good lineup. And then we have Johnny Hungy against Adam Cole on Rampage next mm. week. That'll be good. We have, I haven't seen a John Silver singles match in quite a while. So that's your that's your deal that's, for this week. That's your deal this week. We'll be back next week to chit chat about it. Um, and we'll also have, you know, various follows up on the other things we chat about, um, uh, more movie guff, more game guff and all that other good stuff. So thank you so much for, uh, listening friends. If you want to contribute, you can send us an email, chairshoppodcast.com. There's an email form there and, uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. So until next time, it's goodbye from me, Barry. It's goodbye from Paul. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Joe. Goodbye. Goodbye.